We have a little bit of an issue in that the council have decided today is the day they're going to trim all of the trees on my road. <laughs> <laughs> Mix it for a very pastoral episode. You know? Well, they're starting at the top, and we'll see how loud they get. And well, I had I had the, the cleaning lady last time, and uh, you have the council doing the trees. I mean, it just shows how live and raw we are. Yeah. You have a little bit of an echo, too. Oh, shoot. I don't know where it comes from. Do I have two microphones up? No. Mm-hmm. Yeah, still there. I'm going to go in my settings. Oh, I have the mix minus. Is correct. Could it be... I can still hear some echo? Now I can't. Oh, exactly. Something. Uh, yeah, no, there is. I can still hear. You're <laughs> crying out loud. I don't know. I don't have open back headphones. Maybe it's me. I don't know. Whatever, guys, you're seeing where we're, we're, <laughs> we've been doing this for five years and we still have issues. Yeah. Well, um, I just want to tell you both good luck. We're all counting on you. I feel like we're going to need it today. <laughs> if you guys have an echo for the next hour or two, well, you'll tell me uh, because <laughs> I just, I don't know, man. Uh, how are you? I'm good. Yeah. Spring has sprung, so I'm happy about that. They need to take care of those trees, so I don't begrudge them. I just wish they wouldn't do it, like, right now. You can have more light into your studio because the tree is on your uh, window, right, or something? Exactly. <laughs> they got to do what they got to do. How are you? I am very good. I am very good. Uh, I'm still battling with my Pakistani visa. I've, yeah. Oh, my God. I know, guys, it's not to berate the Pakistani government, but it's very complicated. Last time I went in 2018, I had paperwork, and this time it's all online, which is great um, to do it all online. But the frustrating bit is that you don't have anyone to talk to, and you, they keep asking you for more documents, which they were not requesting in the first place, and I only have two weeks to clear it, and, and I want to do the Q-suite that I booked. Yeah, very excited. Yeah, we'll see, we'll see. I mean, um, well... <laughs> I spent three hours two days ago, an hour yesterday. Um, also, you know, all these systems, they always have like, you can only do like PDF, but in a certain format and yeah. size and JPEG, but also like, you're like, oh my God, so I have like to transform half of the files. Uh, anyway, uh, sorry guys, I'm, I'm renting right now. <laughs> well, it's, it, you know, I think it just shows how far we have to go and all of this stuff with the electronic visas. And Absolutely. It, Again, I'm not berating. No, no, no. I mean, they've got other problems to Much solve. better than it was. Uh, if you guys go to, I don't remember which episode it was. It was about probably at uh, November 2018, I think. Um, I, I had to step away from the checking desk. No, from the gate. Uh, from oh, when I was flying yeah. back to Etihad because they wouldn't let me in because the documents they were not sure they had to go through a little process as their manager called whoever at the mission or something so uh, it's much better that I, you can do it online I still want to go but I'm yeah, not yeah. sure the thing is the uh, I will admit as well I mean it was a very last minute because I think I mentioned in the other episodes I was thinking of not going because of the COVID regulations these regulations changed which is great but now I'm very short on time with the, the visa. They say uh, they recommend six weeks. <clears throat> I'm uh, two and a half weeks away. Six, six weeks for a visa. Yeah, for that type of visa, because a visa is like uh, you would get as well, which is a conference visa. It's not a business uh, visa. It's not, I you're not going for, to work. You're going to perform. 
uh, or attend. And uh, yeah, I mean, anyway, uh, we'll see. Um, and you have to battle with the, the four or five hours time difference because clearly mm. they are processed not here in London, it seems, but there, which means that as soon as, as well, I don't know, 2 p.m. hits here, you get no response. And next week is one of their most important holidays. So the, all the offices will be closed for four days. So I'm really getting a bit antsy. I might not go. Uh, the good thing with Qatar Airways, however, is that, you know, they're still on the COVID, like uh, full refundable, whatever. So That's if good. I don't go, at least I'm going to get in my money back. Anyway, let's start with uh, let's start with uh, the Caribbean because we did uh, the Maldives last time. Uh, yes, so let's yes, say in yes. holiday mode. You just mentioned spring is here in London. We're recording, by the way, the 29th of April, 2022. Man, uh, only three weeks later. That's I don't know what happens. That's not bad. <laughs> and uh, have you been to the Caribbean? I have never been to the Caribbean. Oh wow! I thought for some reason I assumed. Oh that- well, I I did. Uh, Sort of, but it was for work and I didn't get to stay very long. So I, I have not experienced the Caribbean properly, I think is probably the safest way to say it. Yeah, I had never. So I had been um, to the Caribbean Sea because I had been um, like early 2000s, I think 2001, I was in Mexico on a road trip on which I hit as well. I was Yucatan, etc. And Quintero, you know, where there's uh, Tulum. Well, it was super empty back then. Uh, Cancun, Playa del Carmen, Puerto Ventura. Yeah, I've been there. Things. It's weird. I don't... I don't Count but that's a Caribbean Sea. Yeah, but that's exactly that's the thing. Yeah. It, 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 that's that's what I was trying to say. It feels that you it is, but it's not because the Caribbean you kind of feel is like these far flung places like the Maldives, the Seychelles, Fiji, yeah, French Polynesia. You you can associate that with like that's these tiny islands, isn't it? right? Uh, and also, yeah, of course, I had uh, also been. I mentioned in one hundred seven when I was briefly living in Costa Rica. We're talking the nineties here. I'm an old guy um, on the. East Coast, Limon, and um, back up, there's a, I recommend that because you should do it one day. It's called uh, Tortuguero National Park. It's a park where you ha- we can see the actual um, sea turtles laying eggs. Oh, wow. See them. That's on the Caribbean Sea as well. But yeah, first time for me as well. Uh, it's uh, so I, I saw I had seen the sea, but not the, uh, the islands. But I'm going ahead of myself. So, Virgin. Yeah, I was going to say there's a lot of firsts here. But you know what? I must admit, maybe it's word association. I know because you know Virgin way more than I do. I've worked in the Virgin group. But um, for me, as someone who wasn't living in the UK until 10 years ago, Virgin I always associated uh, with holidays. And probably because the word association with Virgin Islands, you know, there's two sets of Virgin Islands in the Caribbean. And for, for some reason, I know that, I mean, I know maybe you'll correct me, but I don't think... Richard Branson named Virgin, Virgin. Um, no, it was because they were all virgins in business. Yeah. That's, the, I mean, that may be, uh, what is it, apocryphal, I think is yeah, the word. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I've, but, but for some reason, I tend to associate the airline and the airlines, the, the one, the defunct one that you used to work for, for with holidays. I know it's not a holiday carrier. I don't think that they would be uh, unhappy with that. Were they? I, no, I don't think they'd be unhappy with that association of, of you think of a virgin and you think of holidays because that is, they are, I would, you know, they, they're a big boy carrier, but they are primarily a leisure carrier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Though, though uh, I know I'm, I'm mixing stuff up. I, I consider them to go to Pakistan. They have a direct to Lahore. 
uh, and since uh, I should be again <laughs> pending the visa approval, maybe in two weeks I'll tell you that I've never been to uh, to Lahore. Um, I'm doing both two cities, Karachi and Lahore. So obviously. Uh, back and forth to Lahore and then flying internally could have worked as well. But, for, but I, I, don't, I haven't done the Q-suite for so long. Yeah. And the price was very similar um, in the in the, um, in the the end. So I was like, yeah, I don't know. And sh do, do I want to fight for a new um, renewal? I'm not sure. I mean, you know, I, I got gold, as I told you. I got oh, I see. I see. The um, status match. I, I'll come to that in a second because it's quite funny what happened. But the um, but now I need to do, I don't know, a thousand tier points or whatever. That, I don't remember how much I need to do. But do I really want in a year, in an era of less travel to try to attain or maintain in my in my case gold yet another program? I'm not sure. And this is not something because I liked Virgin. I'll, I'll set, that's the headline. I'll come to why, but uh, I'm not sure I want to go to yet another airline to try to. No, I don't know. no. And the idea of to your point runs is very unattractive to me now. <laughs> you know, I've done it once or twice when I was like, you know, 40 tier points short of, of renewal. And I, hey, why not? But the idea of doing that now, I'm like, no, no, I don't know. <laughs> have you have you often flown? I didn't ask you that. Have you often flown Virgin Atlantic? I flew Virgin Atlantic a lot, nineties, um, because my father worked there. Yeah, and then uh, when I worked for the group, and then up until I, I traveled a lot for speaking, I would I would always lean towards Virgin. But oh, wow. when when we started, I started traveling more for for work within Europe. Obviously, they have no network and it just made sense to to go with ba and i would be getting the benefits and blah 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 so yeah that's the usual thing right it's uh i hadn't flown them i think last year when i told you i flew back from la on them and that was the first time in years and years and years and years and years so yeah oh by the way sorry guys i forgot where is the where you go. i had to do this forget again can i you getting a shout out every single episode if you like <laughs> the music so, um, yeah, let's do, I'll, I'll do a mix because I don't want to speak for the, because obviously Alex hasn't flown since the, in the past three weeks. So I wanted to avoid being me only talking for the whole time. So what I'll do probably is I'll talk about going there, Virgin, flying to St. Lucia, and then we'll stop and then I'll do the return afterwards. So we kind of mix it up a little bit. Well, I've been looking forward to hearing about this because you, you've been very sparse with details. Like you won't, you haven't told me anything other than a couple of pictures you show me. Yeah, so, which I, well, I share with you. I didn't want to bother you because of course all the pictures would have been beaches in, in, in St. Lucia. <laughs> and I was like, it is exactly right. <laughs> I sent that to a client. He was like, where are you now? And I sent the picture back instead of with no comment. And he was like, my God, I don't want to talk to you anymore. <laughs> uh, so the, the one really funny, interesting bit. So the the original flying departure time was at 12.30. Then I use a lot Flighty these days, which um, it's, it's one of these apps. It's very well done. Uh, I would say it kind of competes with TripIt, but TripIt has the hotels and everything. Flighty is just for the flights. It's really made for av geeks, I would say. Even though, I mean, obviously, if you're just flying, it's also very, very good. And Flighty is very good at um, notifi the notifications for uh, change of aircraft and change of times. And so it was 12.30. 
Then suddenly it says 11.30, flight before Virgin tells me. And I'm like, okay, fine. And that was like four days before the flight. And I'm like, oh, that's good because I'm going to be landing earlier in St. Lucia. More holidays for me. And then it says 11.10, the night before of the flight. And I was like, Virgin didn't tell me that. So, so I was like... <laughs> Uh, how are people are going to go to come early enough in the in the airport? And did it turn out to be the case? <laughs> actually, no. He kept up. He was in the middle, but I'll explain why. Because actually, I'm I was guessing. I'm getting ahead of myself. If they were not doing that, even the original twelve thirty to eleven thirty, just because they knew there were so many people, T um, three was a nightmare and there were so many people that prop were they trying to kind of hint at us like come early guys uh instead of just telling you come early like they would announce the flight leaving a bit earlier because at the end of the day we kind of left closer to original time than to the second time that was announced so anyway but it was interesting to get these because you know for me flying it's uh, you've done it a few times i mean you've flown so many airlines same same as me but flying a new airline is always kind of you're a virgin exciting yeah 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 you're like, I'm not sure how they work, what's their usual, but, you know, how do they think about things in passenger experience? So anyway, um, gold. So I had gold. So on the Virgin app, you know, we don't receive cards anymore, especially, uh, you know, especially with COVID, you don't receive like a gold card. But usually what you have, a Virgin doesn't, is uh, Apple Wallet and I guess Google Wallet cards, something you can put in Virgin doesn't. So Virgin, you have in the app, you have one section which says, oh, you're flying, you're, um, what's the name? Flying Club, yeah. Gold. Um, I'm on the, what is it, the M4 that leads to um, leads to Heathrow Airport. And literally when we turn from the M4 to go down closer to uh, terminal, when you go to terminal two and three, my app stops working, logs me out, so you need to log in again. I'm like, okay, whatever, you know, the app happens it could be the network whatever i log back in i'm flying club red uh-oh <laughs> exactly so it's like suddenly i'm like what the hell uh can i go to the wing can i actually go to the clubhouse the the lounger was like freaking out like i'm not freaking out i'm exaggerating but i mean it, yeah this, yeah of course only shots to try these right and because i'm freaking out i'm in an uber and i forget to tell the driver, you know, when you arrive at Terminal 3, you're supposed to turn slightly before to enter that upper wing thing. Um, and I don't tell him. So he, he and I like, oh, and I was still fiddling with relogging to my app. Anyway, never mind. I arrive. Uh, I was able to relog, as I told you. And I see on the ticket, on the, um, the booking, a little mention of gold. So I'll take a, sc- a screenshot of that. I'm like, if I'm <laughs> being logged out again, at least I have a screenshot somewhere that tells that I'm gold. And I arrive, and I, I mean, heaving. But I enter Terminal 3, and the first thing I see is premium economy right in front of me. Mm-hmm. And there also are some upper-class um, check-ins at uh, that level, so the ground level. Yep. Of course, all the economy. And I see that premium economy, there's not a lot of people. So I'm like, you know what? The airport is heaving. I'm going to take a shot there, because there's like literally two other people at dock check. So they have a first gate a dock check which is for covid purposes and then they let you go to the um, to the the actual checking counter um <clears throat> so i told you the story in the last episode guys that um they had changed the rules for covid so it, the original rule was five days before you needed to get a test 
up to five days before it could get four, obviously. And so for me, I flew on a, on a Thursday and on the Saturday, so exactly five days before, they said, we don't need a test anymore. If you are double jabbed, you can enter the country without issue. And so I canceled my test, got the refund, super happy. And as I told you as well, because this website still kind of hinted that I needed to upload documents, I started to upload documents and it asked me for a test. So I wrote to the Office of Tourism in St. Lucia. They told me, no, you don't need to do that anymore. Sorry, our website is not very clear. I found on the on Twitter, actually, I found an email from the London office, the representation of St. Lucia, which told me the same thing. And they had also sent me a press release from St. Lucia. How amazing that they were so responsive. Exactly. And in 15 minutes, right? It's very responsive. So very happy. Kudos to both these offices. And there's a reason I'm going into so much details, because obviously I printed everything. And thank God I printed everything, because I arrived there. And the first question I've been asked is, do you have a test? I'm like, no, I don't need a test. Yes, you need a test. No, I don't need a test. <laughs> uh, she goes on her iPad. Yes, you need a test. Uh, hold on, I'm going to call my manager. So the manager, you know, you know, red outfit, mm -hmm. virgin, comes, tap, 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 tap on her own iPad. You need a test. I'm like, you know, of course, the first thing you're thinking, even if I'm ahead of time, I'm like, first, will I get through? Or do I need to get a quick test at the, there's now facilities within the airport, mm -hmm. um, at T3 uh, as well. But uh, you don't know how many people will have to wait can actually clear it. But I'm like insisting, I'm like, I have all the paperwork. So I'm showing other papers. He's like, hold on a minute. I'm going to triple check. And she leaves. She leaves, honestly, for what it should have been probably four to five minutes. But in my head, that was 45 minutes, obviously, <laughs> oh, because, you know, you see, like, you see all the other people going through. Mm -hmm. Of course, it's other destinations. It's only not in St. Lucia. And uh, she comes back and she um, she's like, uh, can I take a copy of the press release? And I'm like, of course you can. I, I'd like to keep one because, you know, I was in my head. I'm like, maybe I need it in St. Lucia. <laughs> so, and basically what happened is that uh, anyone who's been to St. Lucia since can thank me because they changed the rule that day because she gathered literally all the, the people and said, this is the new rule for St. Lucia. It's not on your iPad. Here is the rule. No. <laughs> wow, you saved a lot of people a lot of hassle by your, with your persistence. But you know what? The thing that it was exactly five days after the announcement means that obviously that was the first flight with those new rules. Because the day before, with five days, would have still been probably uh, a lot of people would have still uh, would have already had their test, no matter the change of rule, because they already had. I don't envy the airlines having to, to keep exactly. up with all of this stuff. I mean, you have to have an entire department. They were very nice, right? They were super kind and super professional. It was there was you know it was not a standoff or anything. It was just that. Uh, of course, I was a bit tense, but I tried to be my usual smiley, optimist. Swiss diplomatic self. <laughs> well, thank you for that. <laughs> but yeah, it, it worked. And they were very kind. And then, you know, again, she gathered. And I went through um, check-in. And they asked me again for the papers. I'm like, uh, two meters behind me. <laughs> never mind. You know, again, I don't envy them. It's, it's exactly what you just said. I mean, they have to make sure that everything is in line. So anyway... And and then I say, um, okay, so I'm gold. Can I? Can you tell me if I can access the the lounge? Yeah, you can. Actually, and that's where gold was not really use, uh, useful at that point. She tells me because you're in premium economy and because there's so many people, we're putting 
all premium economy and up, so upper and premium economy, through the upper wing uh, dedicated uh, security. So say, please go up. And when you go up, you'll see the there's a door that leads you to the upper wing. I'm like, okay, so I'm going to still see the upper wing, which is very cool. Um, and I go there, and even before, so there's a, a other set of stairs or um, the, the escalators. And as soon as I step off the escalators, there's already a queue and crowd management. And there is this very nice chap from Virgin Atlantic tell us, sorry, there's so many people inside the upper wings. We have to do management here. So we're letting a few few people at a time inside of the, I'm like, okay, well. And the wing is the, wing is the, is the dedicated gold and upper class check-in area, be, which Yes. I always avoided like the plague. Why? For the because for the exact reason you described like it was often really really so the only way you can access is it is is the separate driveway that you described. And then there's like four or five check-in desks in this separate area ostensibly above the main check-in area. Yes, exactly. But it was always heaving and the 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 check-in desks on the right-hand side of the this massive bo- it's a know, round bo- thing <clears throat> it's like a yeah but downstairs where everybody is all at, you know economy premium economy they're also like you said upper class check-in desks and then right next to those check-in desks where they're usually not that busy you know, is the lift that takes you halfway between the uh, the wing check-in area and the private security so you you're dumped out in this little alcove and and it was always I always found it way faster than than so I, you did the right thing for sure. Oh well, then I realized that exactly the the, the path I took by by no accident probably, but um, by chance. The thing is, so as soon as in, you know that door is an automatic automatic door, so you, I could peek inside every time they would leave a, a little bit of group. And I saw the crowd and I was like, the hell? But I'm like, okay, well, first I want to see it. That's my Av Geek side. I'm like, I really want to go into that wing. I've never seen it <laughs> the way you just described it. Very nice, by the way. So finally let in. Uh, and then, you know, the queue basically starts in the corridor. It goes all around the where the checking counters that you just mentioned are, which is in front of where the curb is, where the cars um, leave their passengers of gold and upper, and then back into another corridor to the security. I don't want to make this story too long, but the whole thing from stepping off that escalator before entering the upper wing to passing security took me 55 minutes. Ooh, At some nice. point when I was... Uh, but when I arrived in where the near the checking counters of the upper wing, I asked one of those. I went to the the the, the, check, the counter. I said, "Should I should I go to the normal security? Because you know I don't I don't you know it's nice to be here, but she tells me if, if you want to go, but it's going to be worse. I can I can show you, <laughs> and she showed me. So we walked together. My God, the number of people! So I got lucky getting fifty five minutes, and apparently it was. Not apparently, I could see it with my eyes, but I could not realize how long it would take. But it was uh, heaving with people. I mean, it was holidays. Easter holiday, right? Okay, uh, exactly, right. So it was, but crazy, man. I mean, I've, I mean, travel recovery is here, man. I, I you know, let's be honest. Is also Terminal Four is still closed, so you have a lot of airlines that used to be in Terminal Four that are in Terminal oh, Three. Forgot about that. Etihad, Air France, uh, a few others from Sky Team are there. Qatar is a T5. What is the deal with that? Are they going to reopen Terminal 4? I don't know. 
Surely, uh, I guess it's but at some maybe point, it's a staffing thing because everywhere is it's that's the problem. That's what I'm problem. thinking as well. Anyway, <coughs> pardon me. Uh, ha- you know, it, it is what it is, and I was early because you and me are always early at the airport. So anyway, plus I knew it was a newer line. It was COVID. Uh, I wanted to enjoy the actual the clubhouse. Of that was honestly during the whole queuing at security. That was my only thinking. Not I'm going to miss the plane. Will I have time to actually go to the club? <laughs> <laughs> I did. I went. Uh, very funny because obviously I arrive at the clubhouse. I show my boarding pass. It says gold. So the first sentence is welcome back. In my head, I said, should I answer? No, I'm not. <laughs> because I've never been. So, of course, back. I'm like, mm, well, <laughs> But that's how you, they treat cold passengers. They assume that it was not a status match. Yeah, it was heaving as well. But I understand why so many people love it. Uh, I had only been to the one in New York, which is much smaller, and all, but also very jazzy and fun. This one is a bit less jazzy. More, it's more, I don't know how to describe it. It's still very sexy and hip. Yeah. And there's look a lot of different areas there's a you know a bar and uh, there's like a place to sit down couches sofas chairs there's a little bit of everything it's it, there's a the pool table on um in the middle or was it foosball i don't remember now um the garden i mean the garden I'm, yeah not very convinced it was not really that nice i mean you you can go out yeah that was only the reason why i loved it is because you could go out and get a breath of fresh air and see the airplanes i was i was probably but I would say that was the same um, criticism that I made for JetBlue at T5, their own garden. Both were underwhelming because when I had seen the pictures years years ago, I thought it would be like super cool. Yeah, it's nice. You have chairs and you can sit outside. It was a bit windy and cold. We're still a bit early in the UK to enjoy it. But I, it's, a, it's a plus. I'm not here dissing it. I'm just saying that I was expecting something like so fantastic. And I was like, yeah, there are colored chairs. Okay. But it's nice. <laughs> well, colored chairs are an upgrade from when I was last there. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> but really, the I, I I get why people love it. I I guess my experience is a bit. I mean, first it was really packed uh, to the point it was hard to find a place to sit, and but I could obviously. And the other difference probably with pre-COVID is that you had to book to order at the table. So I don't know if it was a regular feature or if it's only for COVID. Um, what was funny is that they probably they had a, an issue with their QR codes because the QR codes were not aligned with the tables that were supposed to. So I kept uh, asking for a latte and a glass of champagne and I got mango juice and uh, what was it? And some uh, hot chocolate. And I was like... No, that's not me. And they came thrice. I was like, no, that's not me. So I ended up going to the bar. I said, you cannot come to the bar. Yeah, but I still want my champagne before I leave the lounge. <laughs> it was very early to take a champagne, but it was kind of the you know yeah, celebration of, it was small glass. Anyway, um, the Peloton section though? I mean. So the Peloton section used to be the the salon where you can go and get a free haircut. Less useful for you. Exactly. <laughs> oh my god, dude! I would, I would wait to get a haircut if I knew I had a flight coming up. Really? Yeah. No way. Yeah. They used oh to. My god. They used to. I don't. I, I mean, I know it's been. It's. It's kind of a bummer that it, it's been replaced. But it was a cow shed salon, and you could pay for like you know, uh, yeah, better, m- higher, yeah, more services and stuff like that. But then they used to have the massage area. I mean, massages were like the Virgin Atlantic's thing in the nineties. 
Um, and then behind that, there were the the showers and all of that. But yeah, I gather they've replaced it with a with a Peloton section, which is clearly a, a kind of co-branding thing. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what it is. Because would you really go to a 30-minute workout before flying and be whole sweaty? Okay, there are showers probably. I didn't check them out. It was empty. And I'm wondering for anyone who's been since Peloton is installed, tell us, guys, have you ever seen anyone doing a Peloton ride on one of these three or four, I don't remember, machines? Because it's really nice. I get the, the, the kind of tie-in for branding reasons. But would you really do that? I'm like, I have a Peloton. I kind of like doing from time to time. Uh, but would I do that in an airport lounge before flying for God knows how many hours? I don't know. <laughs> no. no, it's called a lounge for a reason. You know, that's right. Exactly. <laughs> I, I don't know how long they've signed the deal for and Peloton's shares are so low that at some point, you know, probably there's going to, maybe there's an end. And, and, and maybe because of COVID, you know, Replacing it for an Ursaline is maybe too early now. Back to an Ursaline, and maybe massage and only they were happening, but the way they didn't check because you know with COVID a lot of stuff is. But it felt like a the space not being really well utilized because you could have like something cooler. I, I, I mean, again, I get what they were trying to do, but it's one of these ideas that in reality I don't think it actually makes any sort of sense. No, no I saw them post that on Instagram. A, a, whenever they did it. And I just thought, well, that's, that's, that's a waste of space unless you're making a ton of money on it. Yeah, exactly. There must be some tie in exactly, but um, I'm, I'm not sure it will survive the renewal of contract. Uh, so maybe we'll see something else. But anyway, if any one of you listeners, you've seen anyone doing a Peloton ride, waiting for a flight. I mean, even if I had, if, even my flight is delayed by five hours, let's say, and I have like eight hours in a lounge, which only happens usually when you do layovers in the Middle East, but I would not do that. I don't think so. No, neither would I. And I do, I run every day. I do Pelotons a few times per month, whatever, but I would not do that, man. Anyway, um, so I got to enjoy the lounge. I understand how people love it. It's so different from every other lounge at Ethro. It's very, very, very different. And um, yeah, it's, it's, it's very unique. Uh, I would say that. No one does it like that. I'd seen the one again in, in, in GFK. You've probably seen it as well with the piano in the center or whatever. Um, it's very, um, yeah, it's unique. I, 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 they, they really are um, a bit like what JetBlue is different, JetBlue, obviously, but uh, they really are um, uh, their own. You can understand yeah. that it's something yeah. you couldn't find, some a tone of voice that you cannot find elsewhere. It's definitely got a lot of character. I mean, if you... If you dim the lights, it could be it could very easily be a, a nightclub or a yeah. know, a cocktail lounge or something like that, and that's what they were going for. I'll, I'll use a cocktail bar analogy in a, in a second when I'll uh, I'll continue talking about Virgin because it's what they they remind me. So yeah, so I, I go to gate. I was late obviously because I was spending time in the lounge and then <laughs> forgot to take a look at my <laughs> the board. Oh my god, running in T three, you know, like uh, I was at the very end of the twenties, so like you have to walk, 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 walk. Anyway. Fine, uh, board, um, uh, they give you uh, a little parcel which has like uh, wipes, uh, sanitizer and two masks, which is nice, but by the way, masks are not mandatory anymore. And basically I think uh, even that, if, if, even if I'm getting ahead of myself during the flight, probably in my section, so in the premium economy, if 10% of people had a mask, it's a lot. <laughs> 10%. It is what it is. I think the day, and I th know that the US now has dropped it in, uh, domestically, and uh, but the UK was the first to drop it. As soon, I guess, you tell people not to do it. It's not mandatory. I get it. It's it's not fun. I don't find it uncomfortable. 
but I, I have a two minds on all this, man, because of course the, 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 and I guess you too, I mean, on the personal kind of like comfort level, I don't want to meddle with a mask. It's nice not to have one. And I don't know, but anyway, the result is that pretty much no one had it, but it's still nice that they give it to you and premium economy, man. So yeah, it was a, oh yeah, Dreamliner seven, eight, nine. Um, I don't know what generation I get. I've never flown Virgin, but uh, so what generation of premium economy I got, but I really liked it. It's really nice. The, they do that thing that, I mean, you know, I mean, Virgin is your brand when, you know, there's, there's some dimmer, some red hues in the cabin and it's, um, I don't know. It just, it feels really nice and comfy. Yeah, of course, it's not upper class in the sense that there's no business, there's not the same width and room for, but you know me, I'm 6'5", uh, 195, 96, 95 and a half, and I, my knees were didn't hit in the front and I had like okay. lots of space and, uh, and it was pretty wide as well, so I could fiddle around. I really like it. It's a two, three, two, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, it's really nice. Honestly, it's, uh, I, I, I know that some people, uh, I mean, you don't know that. Uh, some people wrote to me after the previous episode telling me that, so Paul, you fly Emirates first and you don't describe the product. I'm like, yeah, because I've, we've done it so many times. Yeah. And you look at it with a different eye, right? When you're, when it's, yeah, yeah. Maybe we have new listeners that I don't know, but uh, so maybe we'll redo a description of these products that we've done so many times. But I don't know how to describe this besides that it felt really comfy. And uh, it's probably a newer generation of seats. Uh, again, I cannot compare. It, um, the, the only hint I got is that the, 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 the front, so the, the upper class, was still this kind of herringbone thing or reverse yeah. herringbone, meaning it's not the new suite, whatever they call it as well, they, uh, they, they, they announced. I don't know if, this, if they are still deployed. But so it's not, it's a probably, a, and it's a Dreamliner, so it's no more than a few years old, maybe five, six, I don't know. And uh, yeah, I, 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 yeah, I, Really, really, I hesitated taking bulkhead. I didn't because I wanted to avoid babies if they were cots, you know, if they had. So I was in a, kind of the middle of the cabin. There's a nice little screen in front of you. It's a touch screen. There's a USB, USB-A. I charge my phone with it. The, the Wi-Fi during the flight worked well. There's a, I mean, there's multiple tiers as always. It's not like, you know, it's not like you, you have, you don't have a T1 line, but I mean, you can still do stuff. And that, that was, that was nice because it's, you know, it's a day flight for nine, nine and a half hours. It's yeah. one of these flights that go on forever. Yeah, they really do. <laughs> it, you know what? The fact that, the fact that I hadn't flown a lot for a long time, obviously means that Basically, I had things, seen nothing on the IFE, so I had a lot of stuff to see. I think I, see, I saw three movies or something. The only thing that I would say, and I, and that shows my privilege, is because I often fly business class, and sometimes I do not take my own headphones because on business class, you know that you'll have something good. The headphones on premium, obviously, are maybe the same in the economy. They're like... You know, they look like the ones with, uh, I'm going to date myself, uh, the ones that you got with your Walkman in 1984, you know, only that they're just pure black. So they don't really cover your ears. It's not even noise canceling. It's not no, no, noise attenuating. It's noise enhancing probably right. even, you know, like you have to fight with a volume knob to actually, <laughs> to actually hear something. So I had my, uh, they're not, uh, you know, these like they are Bose 20, I think, you know, they, they're like wired, but they're still noise canceling. Mm. Oh yeah. Yeah. Cool. Very, very, yeah, 200 quid or whatever. I had them for years. When I don't want to carry like a, a big, 
pair of um, headphones. They're like they're in ear, and uh, you plug them away. And by the way, it's the normal plug, like the three, the jack. And yeah, that was great. That was the only downside, I would say, of the quality of the stuff you get. The the food was really nice. Um, um, menu. It's now it's a good service. It's hard for me to compare because I don't know what it would be in economy. Maybe you can tell me. And of course, probably much better in, in upper. But it was a very nice service, very engaging. The staff was super fun with their red outfits again. And uh, clearly, it's a holiday plane, so probably the staff is maybe even more fun that if I were to fly to Lahore or New York, probably, because they know that basically everybody in the flight is going on holidays. But yeah, uh, totally recommend it. Totally recommend well, it. That's good. I'd, yeah, I would not... Uh, How was the food? Not, it was really good. I, I remember more the food on the way back. For some reason, I didn't take notes of the food on the way in. But um, the one thing that I remember, because I had it in both ways, asked for a little bit of uh, white wine, and they give you a can... You know what these canned coffee that you, you get in Japan? So it's the same exact type of can, only they're Sauvignon Blancs. <laughs> it was like, when they gave me that, I'm like, I didn't ask for canned coffee. Oh, that's Sauvignon Blanc. Uh, you can find them actually in Tesco's here in the UK. So it's not something uh, just that version does, but it's it goes well with the entire experience. That's what I'm yeah. saying, you know. So I liked it for the price. I would I would totally do it, do, do that again. The... Um, <laughs> Uh, what else? Yeah, the, well, we were late in the end because a jetty, jet bridge was broken. Um, or to say it differently, the jet bridge has had uh, co-dependency issues and we wouldn't let go of the plane. <laughs> so uh, we wait, waited for a fix for quite a while. But anyway, you know, for a, such a long flight anyway, you would take the time, uh, take up the time in flight. So it was, it was, it was fine. For some reason, I noted that because I'm like you, I'm watching the moving map. The constant, almost constant ground speed for the whole time was 787 kilometers per hour. So are they doing that on purpose? Because we're in Dreamliner. Yeah, that's some branding right there. Yeah, but does that mean that if you fly a 330, you're going 330 <laughs> kilometers per hour? <laughs> I don't know. The other thing, and I told you, I sent you the pictures. The I was obviously window seats. Just at the very beginning of the, the front of the, the wing, so I could see the entire wing and, and the engine. The the wing had a lot of scrapped paint. And I was obviously thinking about the Qatar Airbus story. I was like, um, the Virgin should totally sue Boeing for one billion, say that that paint is a problem. <laughs> anyway, uh, very, so again, very nice flight. The head of cabin, uh, wow, my gosh, she was stunning. She was like probably as tall as me, had worked for Virgin for like 20 years or something. She was really good. Uh, she came to thank me because again, gold. It's really fun to to have this kind of like, you've been a loyal customer, but actually I've never been. And I get all these little things as a loyal customer. I'm like, <laughs> so I pretend I am obviously. Um, and uh, she, yeah, she talked, we talked for about 20 minutes because, you know, I just chatted away and asked a few questions as well. And she was super cool. And she came like two hours before landing. And uh, because clearly she, obviously she was mostly in the upper um, cabin. So yeah, really, uh, really good. Look, basically, my thoughts of Virgin is like, you can see, and again, maybe you're going to tell me I'm all wrong, but every single touch point, you can see basically all the choices the brand made. Yeah. And, and it, from the, from, probably from the foundational one, which obviously red is the most obvious of them all, but everything is still there that rippled through time to, to, to now. You know, all, everything I had imagined, 
how because how the you know the brand protects itself, how they tell their story about being Virgin Atlantic and being a bit cool and hip. Everything that I experienced was that. And it's not only my mind making it up. It was really from the way the interaction happened on the ground or in the flight, from the way everything was presented, from the, 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 the safety video, which is like a 1970s comic kind of, it's really weird, by the way. But all this makes I don't know it, it's very cohesive but you can see where it comes from I don't know I don't remember I don't remember when it was when the when Virgin Atlantic was was set up but you can feel what it always been and and that still ripples today and, and what it wants to be um it works really well man it's uh it's very clear I I liked it and obviously the red versus blue is so evident yeah. they had to not be BA well it was funny you, you said because I was just gonna say it was always supposed to be a counterbalance to be a yeah that's exactly what i thought like when you say uh, cocktail bar this is you know i i've i've um it's funny that since we since sorry we i restarted flying but we restarted recording uh basically i've done three i've done uh JetBlue, um emirates and and virgin so two of the three are new were new um uh, experiences for me and uh, JetBlue was, uh, so yeah, and the reason I didn't talk a lot about Emirates, coming back to the point I made a minute ago, is that Emirates is like this comfy chair. I've done it so many times, and, and including so many times, I'm sorry, guys, so many times in first that it's like I know it by heart. I know everything. I do it my, my, with my eyes closed, which probably explains why I don't remember my me arriving in Dubai last time, because it's so, it's so familiar to me that I know exactly how the product is, should be, and works. Uh, whereas the two others were not. And so JetBlue for me felt like the edgy silent disco. And Virgin is clearly the cocktail bar. That's exactly what I thought the term you use. And BA is the contemporary London office, maybe Canary Wharf office, but you know what I mean, the yes. London city office. I think that's as generous as you can be with that. Yeah, well, maybe I'm too generous because some of it, but you know what I mean? It's like more corporate -y, more like you know the blue it's a dark blue as well so it shows like quiet and and it's clear i mean you know that it's clear it had not to be virgin had to, not to be ba so they went the total opposite way including the the little decals they have the paint of the the names of each of their aircraft with uh, the uh, you know everything everything is the, the contrast of of ba and yeah it works Honestly, it works. It's like if, if if another analogy. I'm bad analogy, but maybe if if BA is the is a Mercedes estate, Virgin is the MG Sports. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like the yeah. rocky, fun. Let's have some speed and some rock and roll while we do it. Yeah, I mean, I remember even in the '90s when you would board a BA flight, um, you would have classical music. Uh, there you go, classical music. Yeah, and, and on in like I know, 1996, 1997, you board a Virgin flight and you would have, you know, Funkstar Deluxe and eight, you know, <laughs> right. ATB and you know, just not not over the top EDM, but just yeah, but just what a, you would hear in a cocktail bar. Yeah, that's exactly that. I felt like in a cocktail bar, and it's not everybody's cup of tea. It's it the 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 sort of the cheeky is not the right word but the familiar tone of the flight of the cabin crew and you know is very appealing to a certain demographic and and you know really a turn off to another and i get it you remember that's what i said about jet blue as well uh, probably the, the thing i will give to again i haven't flown them you flew them for years but 
the Virgin is that they were probably a bit ahead of their time because now this casualness in the, the interactions, you see it in other brands. Of course, JetBlue is the most obvious because it's close-ish to what Virgin has been doing. But even on, on you know Middle Eastern carries, whatever, when you see a younger staff that is a bit more casual, or at least understand that you want Alex or I want Paul to be more casual and not be like super, um, you know, dry. Pardon me, because I just told them that everybody that doesn't want casual is dry. This is not, <laughs> maybe. Anyway, uh, but they were ahead of the time because now it's something that I see more common, uh, having a bit of more casualness, uh, more, you know, less deference, doesn't mean that they don't respect you or they don't, you know, but I, I, maybe they were ahead of the time, but yeah, it's, 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 it works. It, at least it works for me. This is why I said it, uh, JetBlue worked for me, but I said that some people maybe wanted an expensive wine list and they wanted like to be treated, uh, you know, spoke to differently, uh, spoken to differently. It's, it's really what you, what you're looking for in, in the experience. And for me, Virgin for that probably matches closely where I am, as in what I see, it's a bit, especially it's a holiday. But even if it's not a holiday, I don't want to have like, sir, I'm like, oh my God, just come me, Paul. Yeah, 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 no, agreed. Yeah, no, really, man, it's great. So uh, let's go to the the landing and then I will, we'll switch topics a bit so we can go back to it afterwards. So landing at U, UVF, UVF, which is the airport of today as well. Um, I say as well, because I'm going to mix both airports and there's another airport on the island. And since we're probably never going to go Ever. I'm going to talk about both of them. Um, so the funny, of course, the thing with these kind of flights, a bit like the Maldives, all these islands, these far-flung islands, is like, see, 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 ah, an island. There's nothing for, for like so long, there's an island. The island turned out to be Martinique. We were flying north of St. Lucia, so Martinique, the, which is a French island, which um, is a sister island, basically, because they resemble each other, each other, of course, a lot, because they really, you can see even from each other you can, in a clear day you can actually spot each um from uh, from land so and so, so we go on the west side of saint lucia to arrive to the south of saint lucia where the airport is and i was thank god i was on the left side so i could see all the the island whilst oh, we were cool. going on the, the the final bits of the the, the flight and, you know, it's luxurious with these uh, peaks, you know, it's, uh, the, the island is kind of volcanic, both in its DNA, but also its appearance, right? It's, it's beautiful, of course, and it evokes these, you know, I want to be in holidays, it's exactly what I want. And I look at this and like I see beaches and, and you see all the, um, the cities are obviously clustered on the cliffs near the sea because there's a lot of areas in the island where there's no space to build anything else, right? And and then you, you turn at the end uh, of the island, so the south island, the plane turns, uh, there's two pitons, they call that pitons, and then, which is always the case when you land, suddenly it seems that the, everything goes faster and faster and faster and faster, and you see some houses, multicolored houses, green, 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 and boom, uh, a runway. And I could make out because, of course, being an Avgeek, I had seen the layout of the the runway. There's the old runway that is like at a forty five degree angle. It's still kind of there. You can see it. It's not. Um, there's no asphalt. There's no tarmac on it. But you can still see that it could be used one day. I think that was a military runway, but I'm not entirely sure. But anyway, and one of these airports, you know, uh, tiny. Obviously, you know, it's a tiny. There's not a lot of people. It's a destination. It's a, a holiday destination. Uh, so you land, and then there was another flight, another aircraft. The only other aircraft was BA from Gatwick, who had arrived two or three hours earlier, probably. It was probably they were about to embark people from the way back. I think BA flies twice a day to St. Lucia during the high season, which we're into, and Virgin once a day. And uh, 
So stairs, obviously, there's no jet bridge or whatever. And you walk, and you walk. The only thing that was a bit... Uh, they told us repeatedly, do not take pictures until you leave the terminal. You know how it is. Uh, sometimes, I don't, I don't know if it's security reasons or whatever, but I really wanted to take pictures, not only of the aircraft, which I took, obviously, but when you walk, you walk for a good five, six minutes under like, uh, basically on the apron, and you have, and you see the runway, which you just landed on, and, and behind that, there's like flush green and a little peak and at the very end, you see the sea. And because, you know, the light, we're near, nearer the equator. The light at the end of the day, I don't know, it, it gives that a different green hue and blue hue. It felt like I was on a movie set. It like, felt like I was on a Sergio Leone movie set. It looked really... <laughs> and there was one cart that was aband abandoned, just left out next to the runway. So you, you had nothing. You had a runway. But from the viewpoint of being on the, the terminal, you could see just the runway, that cart, nothing in the sea. And it looked really, it, and the sea is not that close, actually, but it was so bright that day. And with that huge, man. You wanted to take a picture more People than would say, you know, this is an airport that sucks because it's small and it's complicated and it's too small. And it's, eh. but for me, that is the kind of thing I want to remember is that these, you don't see that at Heathrow or at <laughs> Dubai or you see like, I mean, they're nice in their own way, but this is really fun. I loved it, man. I, I just, that that sight alone, walking for a few minutes there was really fantastic. So then the COVID experience, because they had built, yeah. so instead of going directly into the terminal, they have built a temporary uh, tent, which is a basically a COVID center. <laughs> so you have UQ, QQQ, uh, everybody with masks, obviously, and uh, you have like a lot of aeration, like a, ventilators and some ACs and whatever. Uh, so it's like long temporary, you know, not temporary for two weeks, but it's been built knowing that it would last for quite a while. And um, so you queue quite a long time. I mean, it's fine because they check every single document. So they don't, you know, even though you had those checked, whatever documents you had to check at departure, they still do it there. Uh, so you have booth and they even have like COVID test centers. So if you, if somebody has symptoms, I guess you, they are being said, told to go to do a test probably just right there. I don't know, but I didn't have to do that. The reason is, is that they give you at the end of the process, which took a good 25 minutes from the queuing to the uh, very nice people, by the way, but they give you like a wristband. It's a St. Lucia and it's a plastic wristband, so you cannot take it away and you have to keep it the whole time you're in St. Lucia. I mean, I say that Hotels are considered as COVID secure places, so they will never check that bracelet, that wristband. But if you were to go out, which I did, and try to enter any place, um, you know, a bar or whatever, you would have to have this because it's a proof that you double jet, basically. Nice. That's right. clever. Yeah, it's, it's, you know, every country had to find a way to do something. Um, and yeah, well, I mean, that was fun. And then from that terminal, Terminal COVID terminal, I would call it. Terminal COVID, yeah. You walk a little bit and you enter the actual terminal, you clear immigration, which is, you know, like five booths. And it's, you know, you have like family lane uh, and all the foreigners. And they have one booth for the, the, the locals, the, the nationals. It's okay. It takes not that long. You know, people are, are kind. It's, it's, you can see the airport is really old and small. And uh, you have, funnily enough, on the walls, you have pictures of what the airport could look like in a few years in the future. 
just that I Googled it and it's just an image. They never actually invested any money. So it's just like a, a kind of a far-flung promise of what in the future, it's like, unlike Maldives, Mali, when they are building right. it, that it's just like, it could, you know, you look at the picture because you have to stay, you have to wait for immigration. And I was looking at the picture. Wow, that looks like a really modern, super. Yeah. It's just a picture of a random airport. Yeah, but it's not exactly. Uh, so I hope for them to get, but they don't, I'm not even sure they need it because again, it's small and tiny. And, uh, and then I didn't get to really experience the arrivals because my resort had their own uh, lounge which as soon as you clear immigration, you get your luggage, I had check luggage, and I take a left and I was in a lounge, arrival lounge by the resort I was in. So I, I wasn't able to check the rest. I'll, I'll tell a bit of the story on the, for the return flight, but there was, and yeah, I could have a drink waiting for the, the, the drive to, to, to take me. So really, it, it, really, really, really nice. Honestly, it was, um, I, I I enjoyed that experience, both with Virgin, the airport. I get it. My friend who was there with me, Paolo O, because uh, last episode I mentioned two Paolos. Paolo, my friend who um, was already in Saint Lucia when uh, and waiting for me at the um, for us actually at the um, at the resort, hated that airport. <laughs> but that's the difference maybe between a nav geek and a normal person. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, um, and on the way to the, the resort, we passed by the other airport. I'll come to that um, uh, a bit later. The uh, Yeah, let me talk just a little bit of the island. I know, guys, I'm, I'm talking a lot. It's only me. Um, there's something, and I saw it on when we were landing, so when we were, sorry, uh, around the island. Um, the funny bit of the, about the, the, the Caribbean islands is that on one side you have the Atlantic, and the other side is the Caribbean, right? So... You have the clear colors of the Caribbean Sea and the dark menacing blue of the Atlantic on the other side. It's uh, it's kind of, and it, what the hotel I was in was had each side, of course we were uh, swimming and everything was happening on the Caribbean side. But every morning when I got, to, I was running. So the first day I arrive and I say, I'm gonna do a run. I, and for some reason, I don't know why, I go in the gym and I, I step on the treadmill. I was like, what the hell am I doing? I'm in the Caribbean and I'm surfing on a treadmill. So I got out the hotel and they looked at me, are you sure? I'm like, yeah, of course I'm gonna leave the hotel. I'm gonna, and, and I ran across to see the Atlantic. And it's really different, you know, Atlantic a bit more, again, menacing, furious, active, and then the Caribbean quiet. What do you expect? You know, like, uh, and uh, the, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's a beautiful place. Uh, look, let's do a cut in here and I'll go back to, I'm going to tease it, a helicopter flight. Mm. So, well, I'm going to, yeah, let's take a break to let, let you a little bit talk. I mentioned, I want to ask you, so first, no, first I want to thank you. I want to thank you for Attaché Travel because your Athens uh, episode just went out and uh, you, did, you did justice. I hope so. I hope so. Well, we couldn't have done it without you. I mean, you were instrumental in that episode coming together, but yeah, it was, uh, it was fun. It was fun. A great city. I really enjoyed my time there. Really enjoyed it's, it. Uh, no, I, I, I really liked, of course, I, of course, I mean, uh, we talked a lot about it so I could see hints of what I talked to you about in the end result, but without me, Remove that. You 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 got the city pretty pretty well. I think it's um you, you understood the city. Yeah, I like it. It's really a, a great episode. I really enjoyed it a lot. Especially you were oh, thank you. venturing oh, into the food market. The yes, food market. that market was amazing with Carolina. Oh <laughs> gosh, what a what a place! What an experience. 
So yeah, no, I'm glad. It's important to me that we we that if that we accurately represent a city and not just brush over the more challenging aspects of it. I mean, I know I trust always trust you, and I trusted you on this one. I'm really really sad that I couldn't be there with you. It just was a weekend before my flight to Saint Lucia, and I just didn't want to take the chance to get COVID because I was supposed to have tests and everything. You know, the usual. Now that it's thank God, more and more. Um, countries are removing the, the these tests and and everything but you know it was a it was a risk i wasn't ready to take but um yeah and 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 i will say something um you at least uh, i mean greg filmed so i was there in spirit with you because we had talked but i'm also there in the episode because you actually filmed the entrance of my flat no no <laughs> i'm not going to reveal now on record where it is because i don't want stalkers when i go to athens to know where it is but it is there you, I'll tell you after we end the show, but you, <laughs> yeah, I'm looking at the episode yesterday night and I'm like, this is the entrance of That's my so flat. Funny. Well, I tell you what, I mean, we, we went to that neighborhood on your recommendation and we went back and back and back and back. Cause it was, it was, I think my favorite part of, of Athens that we, that we visited. Um, Exarchia, it's called Exarchia. Well, I, I've spent the whole time mispronouncing it then, so... You actually don't pronounce it during the episode. I think you... T- I, think be, I think I tried to avoid having to pronounce many of the words. <laughs> <laughs> I also like the description of the airport. We did it, of course, one day, but... Um, you, Yeah, you mentioned the uh, stray dogs, right? So it's true that I think it was... CNN, I think, yeah. That uh, when the, the new airport opened, I think it was 2001 or something like that, they uh, said they headlined uh, the end of straight dogs welcoming you to Athens because the old airport which was at the south of Athens was yeah it was yeah, I have these memories as a kid man it's just it, it, believe it or not it had been built by Aerosarinen you know the hero yeah, of yeah, yeah. TWA terminal but it was just overcrowded and whatever the new airport is less has less character but it's very, very efficient I enjoyed our, our experience there so since I just mentioned uh, <laughs> You don't have to comment. You can, you don't have to do it, Alex. But uh, I just mentioned an influencer of Travel U, and I mentioned that when I was in the... I've been lucky to visit places like Tulum, which became like a influencer's paradise. Now, before, when it was empty, uh, I mean, it was more than 20 years ago, or Costa Rica, which also is fast becoming another influencer paradise that also was able to live without all the thing. You had mentioned in one of your Instagram stories, influencers in Dubai... Are you okay to talk about it for like 30 seconds? I wanted to understand what the hell happened. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, it was... We don't have a love for influencers, by I the way. I don't. I don't. Um, at all. I think it's it's horrendous. Um, I'm amazed I haven't told the story other than on Instagram. Uh, as um, On the way back from, our, from the Maldives, we stopped in Dubai, like I said, I think in the last episode of the episode before... And one of the things we did was go out into the desert about an hour and a half south and uh, to a nature reserve, which has a sort of resort built into it. It was lovely. Uh, You've been there, right? Yeah, I think me and your brother Andrew recommended it to you, I think. Both we, Al-Mahar. Al-Mahar, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I've been in 2010, so a long time ago. But yeah, it's really And it's actually owned or was owned by Emirates. Um, Oh, I didn't know that. that. It was started by Emirates and then the... The UAE government gave them 250 acres of land, I think, to expand into. Anyway, the demographic there was either very old Americans uh, or uh, Western Europeans, not many Brits at all, or young influencers from all over the world. 
And and when I say influencers, I'm using that term very broadly. There are people who made a, who have made a career out of being an influencer. After I did a little bit of digging, it just turned out that these were narcissistic wealthy people. Well, for the most part, these <laughs> these are different. Well, I think the Venn diagram is 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 a fairly he- healthy overlap. But I I'd, I'd thought we'd shamed a lot of this behavior out of people and just made it so socially repugnant that, that people had stopped. I was I was so wrong and infuriated. I mean, selfie <laughs> sticks, which I haven't seen in a long time, but um, were, were everywhere. I saw, a, a, we went on a, a camel ride because that's what you do in these type of things. And they take you out into the into the empty Part quarter, the into the desert, which is lovely. And you have sunset and there's a guy with champagne yes. and all that stuff. I mean, I've been on a camel loads of times. It wasn't new for me, but it's, it's, I love the desert. I love being out there, especially at that time of day. And there was a little guy set up with a drinks tray. When you got there, it was all very kind of, you know, British empire, that type of thing. Yeah. <laughs> it's a very good description. It's how I remember it is as and well. It was, yeah. It was nice. And you go there, but, the, what, the guy got clocked in the face by a by a selfie stick. Um, uh, th- there was um, a lot of wildlife. It was a nature reserve. I watched people um, feeding these gazelles that were reasonably brave. They weren't tame, but they were brave. Despite the ranger saying, you are literally killing them by feeding them, these gazelles. And I watched a guy trying to take a picture of this fairly large lizard in the desert. And then when it got scared, he chased it and then it burrowed in and he was kicking at the sand to try and get this thing to reemerge so he could take his stupid picture. People, people, I had my, my, my food brought to me, this beautiful dish of, I can't remember specifically, someone sh- shoved me out of the way to take a picture of my food. No, I'm not, yeah. Really? Yeah. And I, you know, I mean, I'm forgetting something. Oh, there was, you know, looking on Instagram to see if these people would show up while we were there. There are signs all over the resort to the point of being conspicuous in their presence. No drones, no drones, no drones, no drones for security reasons and for the wildlife and and privacy and all that. Exactly. There was a guy who was there with us at the time who, who, posted a picture on Instagram of himself from a drone at the resort and you could see him holding the controller and there was no other way he could have got the vantage point. And I was like, you people just that you don't think the rules apply to you. You're you're I'm not it was and there are other stories. I don't need to get into all of them now, but it was it was so infuriating. I'm I, I'm of of course I want people to create content and share their experiences, but it Yeah but it was so infuriating. Don't be a dick. Yeah, you know you can you can do. I don't know. I'm like we're gonna just start giving lessons on how to create content. But I mean, it's yeah, it's sad. It's sad because it kind of puts a little bit of a you know an, a bad taste in your mouth about some of the places you visit. It's it's unfortunately it's one of the enduring memories from that. Um, yeah, of course, because it sticks with you when you have. Uh, I, I mean, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, we could come in forever, but it, it's sad. It's especially it just, sad. It was just a total just respect other people. I mean, I, I'm okay. I get it. Where people people are chasing the elusive, unique picture that only them will have, which turns out to be impossible. I remember working with a 
with it was in Singapore, yeah, with one of the doesn't matter, but basically a building, um, um, an attraction. I think it's not a tourist attraction, but people visit it. And they were telling me the problem we have is that we need to kind of fight in an era where everybody wants that unique picture that only them will have. And the thing is, once one one have it, they're not interested anymore. So they they would literally come to that place, which is a place of knowledge, and just take a picture and leave because of I, just to show that you've been there. Yeah. Yeah, and then the problem is at some point that becomes passe because a lot of people have taken the picture there and it's not interesting anymore, blah, blah, blah. And you're like, that elusive chase for something that nobody else has done. I mean, uh, I get it on one hand because that's what we do as explorers, but not just to take a picture. You explore because you want to learn something about yourself, about the others, about, you know, nature, whatever. I just, yeah, anyway. It, yeah, it, it, I, I could go on, but I won't because it'll yeah, just me, me too. in a this is why sometimes, and then we'll move on, but this is why sometimes I understand some airlines are having some stops on some inverses as well, taking pictures or filming content where they're in a plane because maybe other passengers don't want to be filmed. Because outside, it depends on the laws on the country. Japan is very strict, for instance. The UK is, the assumption in the UK is that if you're out, people can take a picture or film you because you're out, you're in public space. Um, but in a flight, That's it. you could argue that, you know, uh, I even though sometimes we'd like to take a nice picture of, uh, of not only outside, but maybe of, I don't know, some of the features of an aircraft, uh, I get it why they prevent yeah, them. I do too. Especially when you're disrupting somebody else's experience. And there's a, gr- there's a great Instagram account called Influencers in the Wild. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's also sad. It is sad. It's. I, I'm sure it's because I'm getting old, but I just have so little patience for that. Yeah, yeah. What can I tell you? But there's on the plus side, there's a lot of content creators, you included, obviously, that are very respectful, that try to do other stuff. Uh, we mentioned last time, so again, let's mention him, Joe Allen, the way he does his, his vignettes about the places he visits. is also yeah. very respectful. He gets it, yeah. right? You can do that without being a dick, basically. You can have like not very nice content, interesting content, which I'll, and pro- but probably it's also linked, maybe, because that's going to be very judgmental, I'm going to say, but it's like the narcissism you mentioned. There are people well, that, that talk about the, what they see, the people that That's the talk- difference, isn't it? I mean, I look at somebody like Sam Choi, you know, the the legendary aviation photographer and now vlogger and consultant and all that stuff. His, his joy is like, look at this airplane and look at this weird airline I'm flying on. And isn't this cool? And look at the pilots and look at this. And it's not like, look at me, I think. And, and there's something like infectious about his enthusiasm because he's always introducing the flight crew and all that. And they're beaming. They're just happy to be involved. Can you hear them desecrating the trees outside? No, I can't. Good. (laughs) Look, guys, I have an echo maybe because Alex Hill can hear it. I don't know how it's going to be in the air recorded, but we're not going to do that one again. So Maybe I just have a permanent echo. I woke up with one and that's that's how (laughs) I experienced life now. Do you know what? I realized uh, two weeks ago that uh, it's not fun, but it's okay. But I have a hearing loss actually on my... Left ear, I don't hear bass anymore in my left ear. And I've never been like, you know, like That's super, weird. lots of heavy music all the time, whatever. Even when I was young, also because when I was young, again, we had a Walkman. We didn't have like these powerful headphones no, that no. you currently have. But I think I have a slight hearing loss. I thought I had an issue with my headphones. It's like, <laughs> oh, my headphones are not working correctly. When you take them off, you're like, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay, because especially when you hear like in stereo, your mind kind of, it's like eyes, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So- the software figures it out, yeah. 
but uh, I need to, yeah. Uh, apparently, it could be simply temp temporary. It happens that, uh, especially bass, so it's not the high, it's the low frequencies or whatever. It could be temporary, but yeah, it was like, why can I not hear the bass? And I, oh my god! Anyway, um, I don't know why I said that. I forgot the thread. So let's go from one catastrophe to another. Boeing, my ear to Boeing. So catastrophe is a bit of a big word, but uh, there's so many stories about Boeing. Let's not maybe go forever, but. I don't know, uh, which one? Um, which one do you want to talk about? The 777X, which is super delayed again? Yeah, again, because like, they just had their quarterly earnings call. And among just a bunch of not great news, one of them was the first flight. No, they're, they're already flying. The production release of the 777X is now 2025. And they've completely halted production. That's what is kind of means that there's a something, an issue. Somewhere. I think the euphemism they used was something about stringent FAA oversight. And is it, is it, um, oh gosh, I can't remember the fantastic um, aviation journalist on, or I think she's CNB, CNBC transportation correspondent, but she's obviously an AV geek. Leslie Joseph. She, she's, she, I, she's her analysis of CEO speak is just so good. And what she basically said is, without actually saying it out loud, is the FAA have clearly found something. They're, the the FAA are 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 looking at Boeing far more aggressively than they have in the past on the back of the Max debacle or tragedy, and we should really say. Uh, and they have clear, they have found something significant enough to say, shut it down. Which is not good. No, it's not good. I mean, let's. I think the first. I, I might have my my uh, timeline wrong, but I think because we talked about it, obviously we've been around the the triple seven X was first announced for twenty 2020, twenty, then twenty twenty one, then twenty twenty three, now twenty twenty five. Uh, some airlines must be, must be pissed because they kind of... Uh, okay, so COVID kind of changed a bit the game because now they're probably happy that it's not coming too early because they might not need it. Though, with the recovery of travel we're seeing at some point, they might need it maybe faster yeah. than they think. But it's not good news for... I don't even... I mean, the A380 that was obviously delayed, but it wasn't this delayed. Yeah, I don't think so. No, I think it was only four years. Uh, and I know that Cathay have been very vocal about this delay... Uh, um, well, maybe not so much anymore because what the hell are they going to do with them? Oh, I was about to say Emirates. Emirates is, is because Emirates needs to 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 fade out the 380 within the next five to ten years, depending on the age of the aircraft. So the 777X is their not lifeline. I'm exaggerating, but that's the biggest aircraft that will there will be. So yeah. they, they will they will. So again, maybe COVID, you know, less flying can I help? The, but but it's still bad news for both. It really is. <laughs> it seems that they have. They had issues with the Dreamliners. They of the, the ongoing issues with the Dreamliners. Yeah, exactly. So it's not uh, on the same earning call. The um, Kalun, the CEO, said that uh, <laughs> they uh, they lost uh, what was it almost seven hundred million dollars out of uh, refitting the two Air Force ones. The new the seven is it one or two? Yeah, is it, I think it's two. The seven forty eights. I think they. I think he even said the Boeing should have not agreed with the terms of Trump. Yeah. Um, and I think it's yeah, obviously they shouldn't have done that at all. You know, when you're negotiating an aircraft order on Twitter, you know that's never going to go well. <laughs> but I think also they've said that the 
the wiring guidelines from the Air Force are, are slowing things down. And, and it's just, I read, I, can't, I don't think I ever mentioned this because we weren't recording when I read it, but I read uh, Ben Rich, who was the second head of Lockheed Skunk Works um, uh, after the, the legendary Kelly Johnson, who was father of the U2 and Blackbird. Ben Rich took over after Kelly Johnson retired. And he his book is absolutely fascinating it came out like 1995 or something like that it's it's worth you can find it on amazon easily it is so interesting about air, not just aircraft development and then you have all of these other voices pilots and military um people that were that worked with the skunk works and all of that but the way that he describes working on government contracts in the u.s is I, this whole debacle with the Air Force One replacements does not surprise me in the slightest. In fact, the entire um, conclusion of the book, two chapters, is basically this is what's so bad, and God, we would save so much time, energy, money, maybe even lives if we did it this way. So it doesn't surprise me in the slightest when I read um, that there's a, a sort of military specification process that's totally unnecessary i think one of the reasons why i think the two the two 748s were also not built for they they were had been bought by another airline that went bust or something so they were unused and so they, it's a refit yeah they had to go back and did they i wonder yeah. did they did they build the original air force ones from because it's the it's a different military designation isn't it um I'm not sure. And it's, I haven't looked into it. it yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's an interesting one because it's a VC twenty five, isn't it? It's the, is the military designation, not a seven forty seven. Just like it's a KC yeah, yeah, seventeen. A U seven four eight. Just because that's what it is. It's just like a yeah. Shorthand. Yeah. Uh, talking about it, have you seen that? There's also um, since we're talking about seven four eight, there's one that has just been discarded by Saudi Arabia. It had been bought by a prince, one of the princes, I wouldn't know which one it was because I just read it in passing on Twitter, uh, who died after making the order. And nobody else in the royal family wants it. So you have a brand new VVIP 748. I think it only flown like 12,000 miles or something, like nothing. And it's already been discarded because uh, no one wouldn't take it. So since we're just talking with Alex about negotiating terms on Twitter, Boeing, we're going to negotiate $1 for uh, VVIP 748. Please uh, include, because we're nice people, uh, maybe, what, 20 years of fuel. Uh, and then uh, Please. we'll find the pilots. <laughs> you know, it's funny. They were, they were when my dad and I went to the Boeing factory years and years ago, they were building on the line what was one of the, the private ones. Yeah, There's, there were eight ordered and delivered private ones. Um, Imagine um, a seven four eight. Uh, yeah, there, I don't. I, it's I not don't, a Gulfstream. Yeah, I mean, but it's really funny because speaking of the seven forty seven, my Will, my my younger youngest brother, sent me a message that his favorite person in the whole world, Alton Brown, the the food scientist, uh, he was at SFO and he posted a thing on Instagram of, of a Lufthansa seven four eight, and he said. It was basically a love letter to the 747, and I, I panicked a little bit because he's like, "Who's still flying them?" And I went and looked, 
And I, if I want to fly a 748, it's a little easier because Lufthansa still have quite a few of them. And Air China, If Korea, they fly them, but I'm not sure they're flying. No, they're flying one at the moment. If I want to fly a, a 747-400, hard. Yeah, yeah. And I want to because I, I didn't know, I don't think any of us knew, that when I last flew on it, it would it be anywhere near my last one. So Air China, because I wrote this down, Air China, Air India, Asiana have one, Iraqi Airways, Lufthansa, Mahan Air in uh, in Iran, and then um, some, I think, soon to be, if not already defunct Russian airlines. And that's it. But I think you just mentioned Asiana. Asiana and Korean are supposed to be merged. So probably that won't survive because they will keep only the 748. I, I need at least one more. I think Lufthansa is my bet. Let's go to Iran, man. Mahan Air. I yeah, Iran is still very high on my list. Yeah, me too. I need. Uh, I mean, I, uh, let's. That's you know, this COVID thing has like you know kind of disrupted all the best laid plans, at least in our heads. And now I'm like the backlog of stuff that I wanted to. <laughs> yeah, but I agree with you. Uh, I have the very fond memory of flying. We discussed this about about this in our in our recording. Um, Flying Thai, was it from Bangkok to Singapore? No, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure. I'm back to Hong yeah, Kong, Hong maybe four or five years ago, and it was a seven four seven. I told you four hundred, and I told you that I was in the nose with the silver projector. You know the the thing with the three different colors projecting on the front, and that the crew was as old as the aircraft, and I loved that experience. I don't know if I've flown a seven four four since then, but might have been. If 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 it's if that proves to be the last time I've flown one, the fact that it was also old spec, both the seats and everything inside, and the crew, and I don't say that negatively because they were super cool, but they were like clearly all in their sixties. Um, I would have I would it would have been a proper send off for me to say yeah, okay yeah. I've flown like a. a Early spec, not only the the uh, the seven four four, but also a seven four four like frozen in time from yeah, the sixties. Yeah. Glorious, yeah, yeah, man, I know. A uh, little bit on Boeing still, but that's, I mean, it was the a story that created wild speculation of Boeing having issues of being hacked, but it turned out not to be any of this. It was a triple seven landing in Charles de Gaulle, uh, where we heard the the. The recording, and you could hear the pilots, the, the co-pilot, the pilot panting, seemingly yeah. fighting with the aircraft. The aircraft veering left from the runway, uh, and it was like, of course, wild speculation. What happened? So, what happened? They, yeah, they they were like the plane's not responding to the controls. <clears throat> Excuse me, they were drifting, and it turns out what they were doing is fighting against each other. How? Oh, what? So the, the, the I think the, the co-pilot was the pilot flying, and the correct. captain was the Pilot, pilot monitoring, monitoring, right? Yeah, yeah. That's and they were they were going against each other, which should never ever happen, ever, 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 under any circumstances. And they were fighting against each other and wondering why the plane wasn't responding. And the the French or the European EASA, European Aviation Safety Administration, I think, might have just made that up. Put out this very matter of fact. Two or three sentences yesterday or the day before, basically saying the plane did what it was what it was supposed to do, and second by second, like here's the input, here's how the plane responded, and then it, and then it sort of 
you, you read it and you go, that sounds like everything. And you see the chart, and the chart of the inputs go like completely diverge, completely. Yeah. It, it, so they, I can't remember what what initially caused the pilot flying to go. Hmm, the plane isn't doing what I wanted it to do, and then the captain grabbing the controls and correcting. I think a mis- an overcorrection that the yeah. that the pilot flying uh, the first officer had made. And then they're just battling against each other. How they didn't look across and go, he's also touching the controls. Yeah, and simply, you know, communicating. Like, telling the, each other what they were trying to do, maybe. I, I don't know. I'm not a pilot. It's easy to yeah, say. there was a lot of... I have one question for, maybe you yeah. know, but at least oh, for, sorry. again, our listeners, is that it seems to me that on Airbus, this is not an Airbus versus Boeing thing, that when... Okay, so joysticks, right? <laughs> I call it joysticks. Yeah. But when there's different inputs on both, there's an alert of dual inputs appearing. So the Airbus tells you, you're not doing the same thing, watch out. I was kind of sure that Boeing would have a feature like that that tells you, guys, you're not going the same direction, I guess, or something. I don't know. It's not a shade on Boeing. I'm just saying that something really, a lack of communication, and what's the name? Career Resource Management CRM. They didn't yeah, talk to each other. I don't know what, yeah. something happened, clearly, right? Yeah, it sounds like... They disconnected the autopilot while they were in instrument conditions. So there's no visibility. And then they're talking about spatial awareness. But it, it does seem like a like a corporate culture thing because it's it would not be the first time at Air France this has happened. Well, last time was a real disaster. It was, it was a, a AF four four seven, right? Yeah. When the, the the co-pilot, I think was was spooning up the whole time. Uh, while the basic plane was a free fall, they, had spa- they didn't realize, you know, the spa- they didn't trust the readings. But there were three in the cockpit because the the one that was in rest came back. And I think he was the oldest with the most. And he stayed in behind the two that were um, flying the aircraft. And they were trying to understand what was happening. But the thing that they missed is that's one, I think it was the youngest, so maybe, you know, it could be you never know in a panic situation you don't know what the what the hell is happening with the plane but he was pulling the um, the the aircraft the nose up where actually to gain speed should have been going down and the captain you hear that in the I mean don't do it because it's really not fun but the the, the captain realized that too late like oh man you know you should have gone down but that's by the time they realize that they're already too low but anyway again communication I mean, the the frightening thing is is that reading this this thing from the oh no. BEA. Bureau Enquête Accident, which is the French equivalent of the NTSB. There we go. Okay, so they said that the control columns were desynchronized for eight, 14 seconds due to opposing forces. The captain held the control column in a slightly nose-down position while the co-pilot made several more pronounced nose-up inputs. And this is when they were on final. Oh, final, yeah. That's, yeah the, and, and I think in the recording, it's in French because the, the, the both Dower and the, the, play, um, the pilots speak French. But I think ATC is kind of saying, yeah, you're veering left, guys, or something. Yeah. Like there's clearly, uh, they do the go around and everything is fine. But it's true that just after that happened, I think it was two, three weeks ago, there was wild speculation because he was like, oh, the controls have an issue. Oh, the Russians have hacked the aircraft or whatever. Yeah, and you're there's like, a problem with the 777 and... But I mean, even in this, they say no failure warning was activated and no anomaly was observed with the airplane, which is a very nice way of saying pilots effed up this one seriously. Yeah, exactly. 
Well, so that one is not on Boeing, which is good news because there yeah. would have been a, a litany of more stuff on Boeing. Uh, let's go to a little bit of, uh, unless there's another thing, sorry, Boeing that that. Oh God, probably. <laughs> no, I can't think of one, but I'm sure we'll have one by next time we record. <sighs> Uh, a few a few feedbacks uh, from thank you to Steve Tao at Mileage Runner on uh, Twitter because he he told us about he thanked us and you especially for your description of your Mali experience he said that and that's an omission from us he flew with uh, Maldivian so we said that Trans Maldivian Airlines was the only but there's Maldivian which is they have i think dash eights and twin otters so you can also fly a seaplane with I another i think they have a320s too yeah so they have a 320 and 21 and they also are ordering 330s the so it means because they are 320s so i think there's one 320 that goes to india and back or something so there's also international but there there is a few I mean, at least five but maybe i'm wrong there's a few like uh, concrete runways on these islands. It's not only Mali. Mali is, of course, the international one. There's others that are also called international because I think at the very north of the atolls, there's one, and that's probably where the Maldivian yeah. goes to yeah. India. There's a few. I, when I was flying to our resort, we, there was a couple of paved runways that you could see. Uh, so it's Yeah, next time. Uh, so I just said they have dash eights and twin otters. Alex, what is your favorite noise, a dash eight or a twin otter? Uh, ooh. I, I, for me, it's clear. Twin Otter. I hate a Dash Eight. Dash Eight is is. I have a, you know I have a hankering to fly on a Dash Eight at the moment. I don't know why. I just I <laughs> want to go on a on a ATR forty two or a Dash Eight. So I I I don't know. In a Twin Otter, the sound it's very loud, but it sounds appropriate. In a Dash Eight, for me, it's too loud. But maybe I'm a bad av geek when I say that. Uh, <laughs> Um, so thank you, uh, thank you, Steve, for actually telling us uh, that there is uh, indeed like another airline. So it's not the only choice of seaplanes, and I think the terminal of Maldivian is literally just next. I mean, Mali Airport is not like uh, Dubai, so it's literally next door to where you flew and I flew from. By the way, guys, I didn't mention last time. If you want to hear Mali four years, five years ago, was it? It's uh, episode seventy-three. Uh, we're 114, so, well, we're still going ahead. Um, and, and Steve, at the same time, mentioned something very, um, so still on Twitter, very interesting. He said that he flew there to the Maldives with Qatar and and, and then added, so weird to see all the white livery on the, bar the borrowed Cathay planes. And I, I didn't like, know that. Yeah, exactly. And I said, uh, were those like uh, 777ERs or 330s? Because I had assumed that Cathay had parked a lot of their their fleet, but didn't either sell them or discard them yet. Only the very old uh, cargo planes. That's it. And he replied that Qatar had the two Cathay's triple uh, seven ERs along with our measly three uh, three twenty. So probably he was flying a, a three twenty, arriving in Mali within an hour of each other. So I didn't realize that Qatar needed first aircrafts that are not Qatar. I, mean, I wonder if this is exactly yeah, right. Yeah. But yeah, interesting that I didn't realize that Cathay was, I don't know how it works. Was it a lease or a loan or whatever, but it's interesting. And, and, and the fact that they had white liveries mean that they also took the time to kind of remove the remove. paint. Yeah. So yeah, it seems more, I don't know. So interesting. Thank you, Steve, for that. Uh, we didn't know about this. And if, if you guys know about more about Cathay aircrafts around the world that uh, Alex and I could fly without flying 
cafe because sadly we can't really i mean we can't have you seen that hong kong is open for arrivals for foreigners now but you're treated as a local so it's still 20 200 days of quarantine or something no i'm yeah. kidding <laughs> but you can whereas before you couldn't so you can you could go but you i think i think it's 21 days still you could go alex but yeah i know uh, so yeah, guys, if you if you know of any other Cathay Pacific aircrafts currently on loan by other airlines, tell us because that could be a, a, a way for us to, uh, you know, sustain our addiction of Cathay without flying Cathay, but actually being in a Cathay Metal. Um, by the way, Hong Kong in 2022, 72 airline bans. You know, they keep banning airlines. That's the thing. I mean, what would you, even if you can go because you have 21 days, maybe your aircraft will not go because it's banned. Yeah. It's, it's sad. I mean, anyway. Uh, another tidbit here, still about Cathay. Uh, I read that. I don't remember where I read that. Uh, I have the, just the title here. Hong Kong Cathay staff spent the equivalent of 200 years in COVID quarantine. What a waste of man hours. So a few reviews. Uh, first, we're number one in Chile now. Uh, thank you, Chilean yes. listeners. I mean, we keep having these countries. I've been to Chile only once in 2011. Uh, hello, guys. Hello, Santiago. Hello, the rest. Bring us some nice wine, please. Uh, we're number one in Cyprus as well. We've been in the past, but that was that was nice. And we got this review uh, that was exactly a day before we released the last episode. So the 5th of April was that review, and I didn't see it in time to mention it in the last episode. But I'm going to read it. I know it's a bit self-serving when we read good reviews about ourselves, but it's really nice. Uh, it's by Tim Wheeler in the US, five stars. Uh, the title is I Need More, in parenthesis, scratches neck like a junkie. Uh, <laughs> uh, so I'm a fellow health traveler and geek here who has been mostly grounded since COVID. I found this podcast during lockdown and was immediately hooked. It was a relief to find I am not the only one who enjoys the technical journey as much as the destination. On sunny summer days living under a flight path, I have and always will look up when I hear the growl of engines. I will shield my eyes from the sun, smile and point with satisfaction as I accurately call out the make, model and airline. Poetry. <laughs> For two years, my skies were nearly silent. The doors to exotic mysteries were closed and a comforting ability to escape without notice was ripped away from us by a viral enemy. A void was left at my core. Layovers is very bingeable. I think it's the first time I heard that. I know that people were listening back to all of this bingeable. So we're, we're a Netflix series now. Uh, Layover is a very bingeable show with satis satisfyingly long episodes. So people like our two hours thing. Um, where is it now? I've, I lost my train of uh, long episodes and Avgeek relatable subject matter has helped fill that void. With the world opening up again and the fragility of our beloved fly path so painfully burned fresh into our minds, it is a comfort knowing that Alex and Paul are out there somewhere, filling those empty business class seats for us. <laughs> Your humble fan team from New York. Wow. Wow. That's unbelievable. Yeah, Tim, thank you. Beautiful. It's got me all misty. And he actually wrote on Twitter, uh, at Mr. Tim Wheeler, I'm guessing you're the same Tim because you have exactly the same name. Um, when we released the uh, last episode, he said, perfect timing, something to listen to whilst all these flights are delayed at GFK. First, we're, we're happy to oblige. I didn't know that there were also delays at GFK, but Tim, thank you so much. That's a really one yeah, of the nicest really reviews hard. we ever had. True. Wow. Yeah. Thanks. Beautiful. Uh, a few other uh, Trent. I think I mentioned him last time already. Uh, another great episode, especially. Uh, so Trent Juventus on Twitter. 
uh, Trentus Juventus, pardon me, on Twitter. Another great episode, especially loved hearing about the Maldives. Am I crazy to think that two hours of podcast is not enough? Could listen all day. Yes, that does make you crazy. <laughs> Greg, uh, also Greg, Greg McCormick, um, said that he had a three-hour three hour drives and uh, he was really happy to listen to us whilst he was doing three hours. So, Craig, three hours is also too longer than our two-hour episodes. Do you also want longer? The thing is that Craig insists that we should do a video live stream. Craig, you cannot watch a video li live stream whilst you are driving. driving. <laughs> Make a choice. <laughs> Make a choice. No video yet. Um, Dan Kavan Legal uh, really enjoyed listening to the latest episode of Layovers. Alex stories of flying in a Twin Otter seaplanes in a Maldives reminded me of flying on Harbor Air Twin Otters between Victoria and Vancouver. Yeah, we featured them in our Vancouver episode. They were great. Yeah. Absolutely. You, you did. So um, I need to do that. I've never, oh, I've great. never done it. Um, Michael Lepa, Rollo Funk on Twitter, achievement unlocked, flying with two phones. So I finally got to take the in-flight picture of listening to layovers. Uh, so he took, he actually posted a picture of flying. So yeah, you need to have two phones actually to do that. I never thought about this, obviously, <laughs> or to fly with a, with a fellow tra uh, geek traveler. Um, so thank you for the picture. It was for those who are new to the show at the very early days of the show, we used to can I ask people to take a picture of them in flight, taking a picture, listening to the podcast. And then we kind of let it go. But I have a collection of those. Maybe one day I'll do an album or something, a release like a, when we old, like a <laughs> remembrance. Uh, Michael, I think you're in Finland, Michael. Uh, so um, tell us about Finnair because uh, it feels that Finnair is doing, is adjusting the network, cutting costs, laying staff, wet leasing aircraft to other um, airlines because of the Russian situation. They know that it's going to be a long problem. So uh, it's completely reviewing its uh, its fleet and its plans. So Michael, tell us about Finnair. I think you, I think maybe I'm mistaken, but I have the memory that you were based in, in Finland. Um, there you go. Uh, thank you for all the others on, on Twitter, because otherwise I could spend an episode, we could spend an episode just yeah, talking about you. it, but thank you, everyone. Uh, another quickie, because we have two others on, on email, Camille, Camille G, a good, good, good friend of mine, lives between Geneva and London. Hi, Camille. Loving the podcast, bro. Informative, entertaining, smart, and well-produced. I am sure your followers are growing, and it is well-deserved. Can't wait for the next drop. Man, you wrote that to me yesterday. The next drop is today. <laughs> Surprise, Camille. <laughs> and we both saw it and we both loved it. Alexandra, uh, she wrote on LinkedIn, actually, um, a list of our favorite yeah. uh, podcasts, mostly on aviation, what she listens basically when uh, she flies. She's been engaging with us for a very long time. So thank you, Alexandra, for being a very long uh, running listener. And in her, at the end of her post on LinkedIn, she says, my personal, she calls us, personal secret gem the layovers podcast i don't have the all-time uh hold on i missed the sentence here yeah i don't have the all-time favorite tv show that would never get old for me but i have this podcast which i could listen to anytime two fellow aviation geeks uh, who are also involved in the industry discuss their exciting trips trying different airline products kudos to paul and alex yeah and Thank you so much for that. It was it was a comprehensive and fascinating list of. Yes. I was just looking at of of, uh, of podcasts, some of which I'd never heard of and have already subscribed to. So we should uh, maybe is it a public? 
I don't know if it's a public post. I could although maybe simply mention the. I don't have it in front of me, but there, yeah, you, she mentioned a few of the very, uh, uh, the very cool other uh, aviation podcasts. And the, the, what I like is that she went from. Uh, if you don't really listen to aviation podcast, could listen to this. It's very short too, and we are at the end because we're probably the longest of them all, <laughs> babbling away for two hours. So she has a, a very nice list of other aviation podcasts, which could uh, fuel you guys your addiction when we are not in the on the air. Because again, we are doing that now as um, whenever we feel like it. Um, so yeah, thank you, Alexandra. Yeah, thank you. It's really kind. So let's uh, cap the show with the end of my story with St. Lucia again. Sorry, it's going to be a lot of me talking today. I hope that Alex flies 25 times for the next episode so he can talk a lot about his own experience. Uh, so uh, I'm in St. Lucia and we got a surprise Paolo and me from our better halves. Uh, we get to do a flight in a helicopter. So yeah, the, like what you, you know, I was always jealous about, you know, because you always, because you have a reason to, you always do when you can a helicopter ride at your attache travel shows, which, you know, plus it makes sense. You get great footage um, and it's fun to do, right? Uh, I hadn't done a helicopter ride for a little while. It was pre-COVID. So it's not as if I never do them. but And um, so we, we went and that, and this is why the show is also about the other airport, which is called SLU, uh, George F. L. Charles Airport, because that's where the helicopters uh, are starting from. So and that's the old airport, which now, uh, I'll tell you the story because it's interesting, but it used to have, that's a n nice call back to the early times of aviation, that's where British West Indies Airways was flying from. <laughs> so nice. clearly, an old the old uh, airport, which is now a, a purely regional, so you do hops with other uh, air, um, uh, islands in the Caribbean, but it's mostly a cargo. When I say cargo is mail, I saw a lot of FedEx, uh, FedEx aircrafts on the, they were ATRs, and I asked the guys because we were a little bit ahead of time, and uh, they told me, yeah, with this this is a feeder, so you have apparently one big FedEx aircraft that comes from Puerto Rico and lands there at that airport, and then it dispatches in these ATRs and they go in all directions around. So it's very that's a very useful airport for for that. Um, and uh, yeah, so there's one run runway, 927, uh, 27. The helicopter uh, part is at the very end of the runway, at the 09 end. So I didn't see the actual inside of the airport, which seems to be the size of your room, Alex, the one I see behind you. That's probably the size of the terminal of that airport, because again, probably not a lot of <laughs> movement there, but it's very neat and it's very cute. Uh, let's be that. Let's call it that way. The terminal of the the helicopter uh, is half the size of your room, probably. So it's very very oh, tiny. Wow. And there's like, they do mostly two things. They do transport transfers between the main airport and that airport because that airport is closer to the north in the, in the capital of the Castries, the capital of, of St. Lucia. And uh, and they do these helicopter tours to basically take a look around for a bit more than half an hour. At least we got a little bit more than half an hour. I, th I think it's supposed to be half an hour, but the captain, Captain Owen, liked me. Uh, so he was like, I'm going to do a little bit of extra for you and Paolo. Uh, so it, they have um, AS350B, the Ecureuil. So it used to be... Uh, Probably the one I didn't check, but the one that we were into, I'm not as much as a geek on helicopters as I was on plane, but probably from the 90s. So it was still 
uh, Aerospatiale, which then became EADS, which and during the time they were EADS, the, the division was called Eurocopter, and now it's Airbus Helicopter. But that version is probably one from Aerospatiale. And then the views from above, it's amazing. I mean, you know that, but... Oh, we saw these two pitons I mentioned earlier. There's grand piton, petit piton. Yeah, you understand that a lot of the words in Saint Lucia are French because they kept fighting each other between the British and the French who owned the island. Uh, we went so close to the big piton, the grand piton, that we we went. Oh, he was having fun, clearly, the, the pilot. We went to wave the hikers that were at the top, and we were like, honestly, I could I could see their faces so close. We were to the the height of that peak, um, and uh, yeah, and, and and you circle the the island. And you see, again, I said at the top of the show, the cities that are clinging to the cliffs or the rare, the rare plains on the islands. See, that's, a, that's the kind of place where it makes total sense to do something yes, like that. Yes, exactly. You would not see any of this from the ground. It's not possible. Uh, we've done also a, a boat trip, a catamaran, which was really nice. But some of the stuff you cannot see unless you're there. And uh, you see, you know, on the northern part where we were, you see the, how the rocks are clinging to the Atlantic. On the, the eastern part where... The Caribbean is much more quiet, as I said, with the water a bit more, you know, with a lighter blue, and you can sometimes see the sand. And you know, it's 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 fantastic to see a place from above like this, right? And uh, the, the 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 whole the, the different type of green colors, shades of colors, uh, shade of green, sorry, you you see, and the rainbow colors of all the houses because the houses are very colorful. They're you know yellow and blue, and they keep like a, so. When you go closer to, because he was really having a lot of fun, which by the way, didn't, so we had a, a father and two daughters behind us, because an Akira is a, one of these, I think six people tops, I'm not sure. Uh, I don't think the father was enjoying the, f the ride as much as I and Paolo were, because again, Captain Owen was, you know, very, I don't know, it was this tall black dude, super cool, clearly. He's done it so many times. He must be like this, maybe even from, you know, military background or whatever. So he was really having a lot of fun. And probably the father behind me was in his, you know, early 50s when he, I think, he, 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 let's say that he went clearly uh, the first one to get out of the helicopter and run very, run very fast to leave the helicopter. I oh, no. <laughs> some people, but yeah, so I enjoyed it. A lot. Paolo enjoyed it a lot. I'm not sure, my friend, but I'm not sure the father, the two daughters, who were a lot of having, probably she, they were doing snapshots of their father being half um, ill in. <laughs> oh, because, you know, I was sat in the front and probably he saw that we were enjoying it. And he was, some of the turns he was taking were probably more daring than, you know, transporting, um, I, I don't know. I will never know. But it was really fun. And it was a really fantastic ride uh, to do. Um, and we saw Marigo Bay. So I want to just mention, because I know it's not exactly a travel show, but Marigo Bay, if there's one thing you need to see in uh, St. Lucia is Marigo Bay. A lot of famous people have houses there. I think even Mick Jagger or something. But it's like, I've seen a lot of bays in my life. You probably have as well. This is probably the be the, the most beautiful I've ever seen. It's, um, it's like the sea needed to hide a jewel, so they created a pocket and it built Marigo Bay. I don't know how to explain that better. It's like it's an alcove of calm and beauty and the hillsides, because, you know, again, still very hilly, the hillsides stand firm to protect the, the bay. And then, and that's the feature that I've almost seen nowhere is that the entrance of that bay, there's a, a palm tree laden sandy beach that kind of hides the whole, the fact that there is a bay and that keeps 
basically keeps the peace and if it protects it from unkeen eyes i don't know how to tell it like it's a complete from the sea you wouldn't know there's a bay and then you enter the bay and you're like what, what just happened here it's like a, it's, it's literally a postcard that became alive i've rarely seen that right um i learned about it and interestingly and kind of appropriately um humans would use it as a hurricane hall they would hide from the rough seas in that bay because of course i get very very protected when the seas were angry they were there and as i said the brits and the french their usual selves they're they've they fought there a lot. <laughs> Who controls this? Because the islands kept uh, changing hands. Uh, but yeah, it's one of the most beautiful bays I've ever laid my eyes on. It's a, it's a miracle of nature, man. You have to see it once. Um, it's really something. I've seen it from above and from the boat. And, and both is really, really beautiful. You sold me. Anyway, back to Virgin. To, uh, so should I try Upper? That was my weakness. So have you, you've flown Upper, right? Many times, I guess. Well, I had only flown it... The new incarnation, or or not the suites, but the the latest incarnation. Um, once you have, or you have not. I haven't done the suites. I've done what you had on your planes, um, and it was good, very good. I've never done it, and I must admit, I was hesitating um, just for the sake of doing it because again, I didn't ever know. I, I didn't know if I would ever fly a Virgin again, so I could uh, upgrade. So I could. You have, you have the, they have plus grade. You know, a lot, a lot of airlines have that, like Etihad oh, yeah, and the bidding system. Uh, yeah, the bidding system and. <clears throat> I was like, you know, it was still like a good 700 quid, right? I think to make a good chance of having it. I'm like, I'm not sure. It's just, uh, plus the, f the flight is shorter on the way back. So I might, I should have done it maybe on the way in. But, and again, I was so happy with premium economy that it was, I, I didn't have like an incentive, like, oh, I hated it. I needed to, it was more like, should I try? And then I, I gave, I didn't do it. I think it was too expensive, not too expensive, but not worth the money. I prefer putting my money elsewhere. But, uh, and also because again, I, I remember flying once only in my life, um, herringbone, reverse herringbone is, or herringbone is the version. You know, the very where they have like these, there's two, 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 one, two, but the way it's laid out, it's a bit, I don't know how to explain. It's a very strange, yeah. It's a very strange layout. I flew that once on an Air India Metal, but it was Etihad. We're talking 10 years ago. Uh, it's nothing to do with the product of Virgin, but I didn't really like the the layout of being in a, a, a the handbook, like this kind of my I don't know. It's just so anyway. It was the one thing I would have loved to try though is the bar. There's a bar at the end of how is that bar? Have you have you? Yeah, it's good. It I mean it, on the seven forty seven, it used to be like a a really big draw. It was a it was a big bar that was like four bar stools, and it was. It was a really, it was a differentiator for them. This one is a little more compact um, because it's a smaller airplane. There's there's just not the footprint. But it, yeah, it's kind of a fun, it's nothing compared to the one at the back of an Emirates 380. But it's it's kind of a fun, fun distraction. Um, the, the thing that I, I, I thought about when you, as soon as you mentioned that is, in the old upper class suites, the original upper class suites, the wall, it, it, you did feel slightly like you were in a tomb. Same, same impression on Air India. I mean, they had very high um, walls, and you were very low as well. And these ones are much lower. You do feel rather exposed. Even I did. You would would it would be almost comical. <laughs> well, maybe I must try it one. But I was curious about the bar because I had a, before I was flying, it was it was on on Instagram. Who was it? Maybe I've noted his name down somewhere. Uh, I forgot. Uh, Dan Rogers on Instagram was telling me, oh, you should check the bar. I mean, Dan, I was only in Premier Coast, so I couldn't check the bar. Though, I was thinking of a new business model, Alex. 
because I'm gold, could they not have a bouncer? I know entrance of the bar say, oh, you're gold, you can, you can come to the bar during the flight. <laughs> anyway. Um, uh, so, uh, the actual return. So, I'm, I'm at the airport, arrive at the airport. Uh, yeah, it's tiny. Again, Paolo, my friend, whom I flew on the helicopter with, uh, didn't like it at all. I'm not going to use the word he used it because it's a, not a very kind word to the airport. I, yeah, I mean, you arrive and you have like uh, a tiny, tiny, like checking area, and you can see basically you have Virgin, which was the only open. That's, a, I guess, that's the quality of of the of of being in a small airport. Is like you generally have one airline checking at a time, but I could see the counters of American Airlines, Delta, JetBlue, BA, obviously, and one more United probably. Uh, it took quite a while to check in, especially because okay, that's me being judgmental again. Sorry, guys, but you have. Suddenly people at checking, and I saw like twice, thrice in front of me, asking for, ah, oh, can we be seated together? And I'm like, did you not reserve your scenes before? Are you doing that at the very last minute where like half of the That's plane weird. is... Yeah, anyway, so it's okay, it's okay you know, we have, we have time anyway. Uh, so it took, and again, the airport is so small, so you, it was okay to have a little bit of weight. I, I saw both lines, there were three lines, Upper, Premium, and, and, and Echo, and Line Echo was the shortest one, so I said, you know what, the hell with it. I went to Echo and I overtook everyone from <laughs> Upper and Premium. You know, sometimes people are like, I'm upper class, or I'm business class, I need to go into that line. Yeah. Like, yeah, but that line is the longest, the man, line. just don't <laughs> go to the short line. Um, the, um, yeah, and then you go to security, which is tiny as well. I mean, they, you know, dock check, which takes like a, a second, and the security, which is one security. Now there's two two lines, but it's, I mean, it's tiny. And you are you drop into that small gate area that I think there's seven gates, but you know how it is. Like, it's a basically literally seven doors next to each other because mm -hmm. basically you go on the apron and then you walk to an aircraft. So, yeah. And um, you have like, a few shops from like rum to gold. The, yeah, they sell, they sell gold. Um, the funny thing is, the funny thing is, and that's a tip for any one of you who would ever be there and want to buy something first. It's not really duty free. So if you buy, if you were to buy rum before uh, uh, in the island, the price would be similar. Of course, you'd have to put it in your uh, check luggage. But uh, if you do happen to buy rum, because that's one of the things that people do at, uh, at the airport, uh, check all the stores because for some reason uh, this is pure liberalism. But they're they're not the prices are not aligned. So you have people that are cheaper for the exact same bottle of rum than others. And I think most people don't realize that because you see people going, of course, it's like literally, again, the, the size of the airport is probably double the size of your room. I'm not kidding. And you have like all these little stores dotting the, the area uh, and the gates in front of you. And people go for the first one and buy there. And I went to the first, you know, just because I had time. I wanted, and I'm a math geek, I wanted to check every single store to see, is there something extraordinary? No, there's not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I was checking, I was like, but the price is like $6 less here. And then I'm in back and, was, and yeah, and there were differences. So guys, my only tip is that if you were ever to buy something, check all the stores and literally 15 seconds separated from each other. So it's not as if you're gonna lose a lot of time doing doing so. Um, then I went up because there was this uh, sign. I saw the Tarmac, Tarmac Cafe, you know, like a Tarmac Cafe, you know, as an African, like, sh wow, it's gonna be maybe like a terrace and I could see the plane from, and having a coffee whilst waiting to, for the gate to open. No, uh, it's just called Tarmac Cafe, and it's uh, basically 
windows that you cannot see anything from and uh, I think botch at the very end of a corridor and uh, you can basically stand only. So don't go to the Tarmac Cafe. <laughs> it's not worth it. So I went back down. There's a food court as well there. I went back down because I'd seen the, the entrance of the... Uh, the lounge. So I say, oh, I need to check the lounge, right? Uh, the lounge was called Lionola. Lionola, I think it's called. Uh, it works with Priority Pass as well, if you ever were to to need that. Um, you you take stairs from... So basically, you take stairs, you get confused for half an hour, then you end up, end up in a lounge. Um, I, I was prepared. You know, I had my uh, Priority Pass card and my boarding pass. I'm like, Will they understand here that gold gets in? You know, I was trying to find a way to get it. Well, actually, uh, Virgin provides the names of the people who are authorized to get in. So my name was on a list. So I was able to get That's in. That's a good way of doing it. Yeah. Uh, the thing is, the list, it was, you know, clearly a printout from Excel. The list already, uh, as, you know, you, as soon as you enter, they cross your name. Uh, so you've entered. The... Um, there were probably a, at least 10 more names on the list. I got the last chair in the lounge. So it's not a big lounge, so get early if you want to have a seat. Uh, it's nothing to write home about. Uh, you know, I saw windows that were kind of high up. So first, I, of course, I rushed to the seat. It was old, very old, but comfy, kind of comfy sofa. And I'm like, oh, there's windows. Maybe I can see something. And I was seeing the tail of my Virgin aircraft. And I was like, oh, maybe I can see the aircraft. Yeah, no, you can see the roof of the airport and the tail. Uh, so no, there's no views. Um, <laughs> and uh, service is, yeah, so you, you can go to a small bar and you have like, you know, the regular stuff and you have service at the table. So I don't, probably that's COVID. I'm not sure. Uh, I had a choice between what, some soup and sandwiches and hold on, I think I have to do the list, yeah. Um, I have a, a picture here. Uh, cheese and tuna sandwich, no, cheese or tuna sandwich, pumpkin soup, pumpkin soup, mac and cheese, garden salad, bread pudding. I took this cheese sandwich. It was like nice toasty thing. So it was nice. And, yeah, but they, you know, they're very, they almost, you like overdo it. Like yeah, the guy comes and takes your order and thank you, sir. And you're like, my God, this <laughs> for an holiday. But it's really well done. And I was curious because I could see the center of the lounge. It's a square and you sat all around on the walls of the four walls, but the center is busy with a bar and it has a feature and, and you can see windows on top. It, it, it looks like uh, an ATC tower within the lounge. I'm like, oh, why is there like windows on top? But there are windows that look at you, not at the outside, right? And I was like, and I realized I went and asked, can I go upstairs? And it was closed. And no, it's closed because it's the smoking section, but because of COVID, there's no smoking allowed. Uh, but it was, it, I don't know, I would have loved to see the, we, we basically could have seen the sofas where I was sat from above. Right. I don't know if it's very useful, <laughs> but anyway, not that, I mean, like, look guys, I would not pretend it's the best lounge I've ever been to. I've been to worse, especially in Italy. Um, yeah, I think it was Venice, the worst one I've ever been to. Uh, but because there's nothing else to do, it's okay. There were a lot of seats near the gates, so... Yeah, I mean, I would nothing to write home about that airport. Clearly, uh, the pictures that they took, like at, we talked at the beginning, would have been a better option. But it's okay, man. It's actually very. Um, it's it's absolutely it's appropriate for the size of the airport to even have a lounge is a nice thing. So uh, they they have Wi-Fi in the airport, so they have you know what you'd expect in a holiday destination. I've seen worse in other countries, as I just said. So it's okay. It's okay. The one thing I've noted, Alex, is that the board, the board says, um, it was the arrivals board, you know, they, they keep cir circling. Arrivals were from Miami, New York, Atlanta, and United Kingdom. 
So they don't say London, they say United Kingdom, and then the, all the other, the American cities, they name the cities, but us, it was- We're going the, to United, we don't, yeah, we get to decide where, we'll figure it out on the way. Exactly. Um, anyway, let's go, because we are nearing two hours, and I don't want to bore people and or bore no, Alex. Uh, so the same walk back to, to the aircraft on the apron, same, oh, it was- Nearly sunset. The light was even better. I took a few pictures this summer. I was like, what the hell with it? I want to take a picture. Um, so we we walk to the aircraft, stairs again, and you enter. And it's that, that again, that hue of red, super nice. And, and at that point, at the moment I'm waiting at the top of the stairs to enter the aircraft, the Dreamliner, again, the 789, the, the sun is nearly setting and the color is, man, it's just amazing. I mean, this is like, and, and you know as well that I'm going to fly from sunset to sunrise because I'm landing at 7 a.m. in London. So basically, I'm, I'm, uh, the, the sun is going to do its all revolution across Japan. And I'm going to take the shortcut and I'm going to beat the sun in London. It's it's a wonderful way to to, to end a yeah, holiday to, 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 have, to have that. Um, I sat, you know, they do... Pre-drink, pre-pre-flight um, uh, drinks, uh, prosecco, whatever. So it's nice. In the same seat I had, again, the same thing I said was really nice. The people were super cool. The sorry, the, the the crew was super engaging. Probably they just also had like two days in Saint Lucia, so they're probably mm -hmm. super happy to have been there, <laughs> chosen as a roaster to go to Saint Lucia. Uh, the goodie, the, the goodie bag was different this time. The, the amenity kit. It was a uh, some type of craft paper e type of uh, thing, and it says. Uh, like a soft cardboard, I would say. And it says, um, everything is recycled. And it contained a bamboo brush, uh, earplugs, a pen, and toothpaste. I just hope that the toothpaste was not recycled. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the safety video didn't work. The reason I mentioned that is because you know that hue of red that is very calming and soothing. Well, obviously they have to do the manual uh, instructions. So what happens is that suddenly it feels like 5 a.m. In, in 5 a.m. in a club because they put like super uh, bright white light oh, for. That's interesting. Yeah. So suddenly you're like, what the hell just happened? Like it's like super bright, especially because it's becoming dark outside because of the sunset. Anyway, uh, they did it, and um, it was really. You can see that it's the end of the holidays for a lot of people because people are still in the mood. So mm -hmm. when the flight attendant, the girl in front of us, did the. You know, simply how you close, how you're supposed to close your seatbelt. She couldn't make it work the first time, and everybody started up clapping. <laughs> <laughs> so it's kind of yeah, it's kind of fun. It's um, um, yeah. So we depart. The one that we we the, the the aircraft goes towards the sun, but since we're flying the other direction, and the end, I didn't realize that on landing, it's one of these airports when it has to do a an under eighty on itself. So the, the runway is slightly bigger at the, at the tail end, so it makes a round so the, the aircraft can do and faces the runway and the sun is behind us and we take off exactly at the moment where the sun is setting. Man, that was absolutely fantastic. Wow. Yeah, then, then the, you know, the, 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 the trip was uneventful. Uh, I watched the movie for three hours. I don't think that's a good idea when you do a six hour and a 30 flight and you want to sleep because of course- Wait, I how long two was hours, the flight? Seven hours, each, six wow. 30. So much shorter than the way in. And yeah. of course it's supposed to be a night flight, you're supposed to sleep. But I say, oh, there's Matrix, a new one. I'm gonna watch that. And then why did I choose a movie that lasts for three hours? Because then I wanted to sleep and I slept like an hour and a half. Anyway, it doesn't matter. I enjoyed it a lot. Uh, the food, uh, was again, you know, it's usually, you know, the whole joke, chicken, fish, lasagna, right? That was exactly what we had, chicken, fish, lasagna. 
Uh, I took the fish, uh, it's called Mahi Mahi, it's a local fish, it's very, very good. The fun bit again here, but because people were such in good mood, it worked. All the food had been mislabeled on the actual uh, cart, uh, I guess, by ground, by um, um, not ground staff, what's it, handling. Catering company, yeah. And yeah, thank you. Thank you. So basically, uh, you start serving, and basically nobody gets the food they actually wanted. Uh, so you see like a commotion of people say, I wanted the lasagna, but it looks like a fish. And people, because... It was misla- uh, It was not the fault of it. It was all mislabeled. It was really fun. It made for a fun, entertaining part of the flight for about twenty minutes when they were rearranging the place of everyone. Okay, yeah, you what you wanted? Ar- you wanted the fish. So you get the lasagna, but actually the lasagna <laughs> is the fish. So that worked quite well. Yeah, slept well because. I mean, I didn't know how I would sleep. I slept very well. Um, Alexandra, the one who, meant who wrote that LinkedIn thing, we will fight on the sleeping position because we don't agree what's the best sleeping position. I'm someone who sometimes, I will admit it to the world, I put my feet, my shoe, my, my shoe I don't ever, on the top of the armrest in front, but not to the, yeah, yeah, but not, yeah, just angle, not to the, she tells me that she hates me when I do, yeah, yeah. But I mean, I'm tall, so it's one of the ways I can actually manage it's the space. Harder for you, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, Heathrow, same old self, crowd management, crazy, nothing works, e gates are not working. I mean, you know, the usual Heathrow, you're like, we're back in London, it's okay. One, the only good thing about it all is that for once, never happened to me in London in more than 10 years now. My luggage was the third to arrive. So wow. I was, that was done super, super quickly. And we mentioned it both uh, because I think you had, I think you had gone to Bath at that point, and you've seen the same thing. The the um, it was Easter, so the um, the the runway, the, the runway, oh, highway, yeah, yeah, motorway. Yeah. Oh God, yeah, no, we were up at we were up at High Clare Castle, aka Downton Abbey. Another Abbey, yeah. <laughs> and the June, yeah, the traffic was an absolute train wreck because it was the four day weekend. Yeah, exactly. So, and I've, it was seven a.m. and the number of cars that were trying to get at Heathrow, I'm like, oh my God. Uh, and, you know, still the same thing that before. We still have a lot of flights that are being canceled left and right, which is why I chose for Corsica, which I'm going at the end of the month. I chose to go with EasyJet because, first of all, BA doesn't seem to want to fly there anymore. So maybe they just removed it from their schedule. But also, I wouldn't trust BA these days because they seem to cancel everything. So EasyJet is canceling also stuff. So let's be fair. But I decided to, to yeah, to do. Um, easy Jen. Anyway, I want to, sorry, because I'm, I'm dragging on, just shout out to Ben Fleet Travel, Terry, and uh, her daughter, her daughter, Sam. Sam is a good friend. Uh, because for the first time in a very, very, in a lifetime almost, I use a travel agent to do that trip, to do Virgin. Oh. Because like, and, and you know, I always say I'm very self-dependent. I don't need anyone. And I couldn't, I couldn't have found the right combination with hotel and every, the resort and everything without them. So, you know, travel agents do serve a purpose. It's a bit unsettling when you say, can I have the hand on my flight? Or is it somebody else having the third party having the hand on the way? Everything went super smoothly, so shout out. And again, this is one of the rare occasions I wouldn't have been able to go on holidays if I didn't have a travel agent. Wow, that's because, great. Uh, yeah, yeah, so uh, they, they even found cheaper flights that I would find myself and you and me are very good at finding flights wow. so they, they do serve a purpose uh it's not only you know for people that don't want to have to do it so there you go uh, wow that's awesome yeah but that's, that was very long so would i would i fly virgin again big big question yes 
um, yes, I, I would, again, as we said at the start, I don't know if I want to try to enter yet another, mm. I don't know, but I would. Good. I would. Would you? Yeah, I'm looking for, I, I'm slightly looking for reasons to fly on them. <laughs> looking for reasons? Yeah. Do you have any flights coming up? Um, I do. I'm going to Colombia in three weeks. Colombia, the country. The country? Mm. Oh, no way. Mm. Okay, well, I'm extremely jealous. Where are you going? Medellin. Medellin. My God. Are you, are you, it's work, yeah. It's work. Oh my God. You're going to all the work. Okay, right now I hate you. I think we're going to stop the recording because it's uh, unacceptable that he goes, no, I mean, it's it's one of the places I've, I want, it was on, clearly, it was actually, I was looking for to buy tickets before COVID uh, to visit both Bogota and Medellin. God. <laughs> now I uh, I need to find a way to get there. Now, I wonder, do you, do you know where you're flying? I think almost certainly Avianca. Oh, there, yeah. That'll, that will be a new one. Yep. That will be a new one to, to learn about. Okay, so I hope you won't have a... A mess and cancellations should be fine. Uh, we no, probably the next time we'll record, so I would have probably been in Pakistan, but we're not sure. Oh, <laughs> you would have been to Colombia, so we'd have something, and I'd been to Corsica, um, which uh, I think you have. I've never been to Corsica now. No, oh, um, I will be officiating a wedding, my second in my life. Oh, that's exciting! Wow, that creates a lot of anxiety. It's you know, when you do a speech or you host something, it's professional. Here, it's friends, and you, yeah, you cannot mess it up, and you have to be creative. And I'm ah, guys, sorry, Alex. No, no, sorry, I, spoke really, a lot. I was. I've been looking forward to this one for a long time. Thank you for being very patient with me. I promised um, next time we'll start with you, and I'll let you an hour of microphone before I start intervening or something. <laughs> Love you, man. Thank you. Oh, the music. Where's the music? What's the ending? Here's the ending. Bye-bye, guys. Safe travels, everybody. Yeah, safe travels. If you, if any one of you goes, he's also going to Medellin, I'm going to be very angry. So don't go to Medellin. Only Alex can go. And I'm very happy because whilst he's going in three weeks, yeah, I'll be probably in Pakistan, so I won't be hearing about it. So I'll pretend he's not going to Medellin. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Alex. <laughs>